everybody, and welcome to episode 544 of Video Game Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Rapara, is coming to you from the spooky Justin Allen Memorial Studio of the Airwaves. If you want it to be the spooky you Memorial Studio of the Airwaves, go to patreon.com slash laser time and join us at the incredibly spooky $20 level. Who's joining me? Uh, Cletus Belmont, Chris Antista. <laughs> and is it already? We're already doing this again with the spooky what? name thing. It's, it's bat... You, Alan, I don't know. It works! You can write for The Simpsons now. That's good. And special guest. I didn't know this was supposed to be a thing, so I don't have a spooky name. That's fine. Spike Um, Williams? Yeah, Spike, there you go. Um, Mike taxes will be coming at the end of the year will oh you? that's the scariest uh, thing of scariest all thing of all <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us and longtime listeners will probably know you from this show but where else might they know you from well they would have known me from us gamer then pc mag then uh, fanbite uh, at the link show writing about final fantasy 14 and probably twitter but now i am on the other side i am I've transitioned from the journalism over to the game dev, so I work for Ooh. Digital Extremes. You will never see my name on anything, but my presence is always there. <laughs> That's a, That just sounds spooky right there. You said you crossed over to the other <laughs> side. There you go. You're totally in the theme, dude. Especially, I don't I don't think I've talked more about Final Fantasy XIV until this year. What the hell? I mean, it's it's a great game. I, like, I don't have to cover it anymore, so I'm... Like the new patch just came out. You so can I'm just enjoy it. Light. I like. I can just enjoy it at my own pace. Like otherwise, that patch came out this week. I would have been like up in the morning at like eight a.m. starting on the patch content, finishing it off, so I could write guides and stories and stuff. Might be a little Final Fantasy fourteen in the news if you uh, stick around oh, no. for second oh, segment. Did listeners. they did they get a patch? Is that the news? <laughs> no. <not> All right. <laughs> kidding all right so it's the first week of october which means we're doing spooky shows where i do this stupid voice uh (laughs) yes and in on patreon.com slash laser time evil dead series elm street nightmare boom oh right when uh, all of ash versus evil dead hits hulu great show just in time for the fantastic patreon rebrand that looks like um, dignity. It, it's so it's it's supposed to be, I think, a skull, but it looks like a bean. <laughs> and they have... this is all this this is some like Rorschach test shit because honestly, to me, it looks like one of those mouse pads with the built-in wrist rest on it. You yeah, know, the, like the, it's... with the wrist tits. <laughs> yes, yes, but with that. Without the yeah. anime tits, Chris. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> what? Just... What mouse pad are you using? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. Oh man, where did they get a, f- a photo of my dog dying? That's incredible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because there was just a, a Castlevania. I don't. I don't know if you guys know this. Uh, Castlevania is not just a video game, but also an anime series on Netflix. And they I think it's just an anime. Series. I was yeah, about yeah, to say at, at, at this point, it hasn't been a video game in a while. Not counting all the collections, but they did just come out with the long-awaited Castlevania Nocturne which jumps ahead a few hundred years and focuses on Richter Belmont and Maria Renard during the French Revolution, fighting vampires as a stand-in for aristocrats. And Erzbeth Bathory is in it. Aristocrats. (laughs) Every time someone says aristocrats, I have to do the punchline. Mm -hmm. Wow, it's final next year, uh, Castlevania will not have had a game in ten years. Oh my god. Really? 
any game? I'm sure there's some mobile games we've missed, right? Surely. I don't think so. I mean, there there was that, that game that came to, like, Apple Arcade a little while ago that, Chris, I think you said it was, like, originally an Android pay-to-win kind of game, and then they restructured it for for Apple Arcade. I said that because I read it, not because uh. I played it, but that's... <laughs> Apple Arcade's MO, they strip out the freemium horseshit because they sort of promise well, yeah, we they don't, don't have that. They don't do any of that freemium stuff. And I think, yeah, their grind, the Grindstone was like one of the first Apple Arcade games, and I think that was a contender for our game of the year if it didn't make it into the running. Fine. If phone games count, I'm plugging 302010 where we get to talk about the 20-year anniversary of the N-Gage. The ah, ultimate yes. in phone gaming. Side topic. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like Mike just bit a lemon. <laughs> ah. Ah, but watched a bit of Castlevania Nocturne. Pretty good. Not as not quite as fun as the first series, but uh, it's it's thrown some twists at me. I'm about five episodes in and uh, eager to see where it goes next. Has anybody else had a chance to watch it? No, no, but I did love the uh, first and second series of Cast. It, it just still stings that like netflix fi- finds this to be one of their core brands mm. and, and konami, konami doesn't, doesn't. <laughs> <And> konami doesn't <laughs> it is like consistently one of the better video game adaptations out there that mm-hmm. like i feel like people talked about it a lot first season but like you know the conversation sort of fell off about it and it's just quietly been good this entire time yeah it's uh, like I- it, it we were talking about I still think for most of my lifetime, Sonic was the only character I trusted outside of games to get people interested in its games with like its cartoons and its comics. That just, did, you know, Beautiful Joe cartoon didn't make any new Beautiful Joe fans. <laughs> but Castlevania, like kids love it, dude. Like, well, teenagers love mm. uh, Castlevania. Yeah. Kids shouldn't and be watching it. Yeah, I know, they, but it's, they it's, say they, the F word a lot. They got nothing <laughs> to play. It's just so. It just makes me angry. <laughs> like there's just oh, there there is a benefit to it in that like Castlevania's overall plot, at least for the ones that they are adapting, aren't really there. So like mm-hmm. seasons one and two were Dracula's Curse, but mm-hmm. not really because Dracula's Curse didn't really have a plot, so they can just do whatever. This one is closer. It's uh, Rondo of Blood, mm-hmm. theoretically, but. Then they layer, you know, the a bunch of stuff on top of it. Yeah, it's the uh, it's or, the villain from Bloodlines instead of right. Shaft bringing Dracula back. Shaft? Yeah, that's that's the guy's name. Not, Shut your not mouth, to be confused man. with the Richard Roundtree character. <laughs> so good. <laughs> but despite not having a big game in a long time, there's decades of Castlevania games out there. Some better than others, and some much, much worse than others. And I thought it would be fun to kind of dredge up some of the, not necessarily worst Castlevania games, because I'm not going to touch the patchy slot or puzzle or mobile games, but some of the games with the worst reputations. Like the things that Mm. we were excited that that came out, and then like, oh, oh, everybody's saying this is real bad. I don't want to play this. So what I actually did was I made sure to spend some time with all of these games and to see, like, did the critics get it wrong? Is there anything worth redeeming here? Is there some fun to be had underneath this? But uh, let's get started with... Number five. Transylvania in the mid-19th century the province of Wallachia. In this time of peace and plenty, no one foresees the return of ancient horrors. 
but the old legends live, and soon the land will again be plunged into darkness. Uh, is that ringing any bells for anybody? Did you maybe get soul caliber? Yes, yes. <laughs> soul still burns. I kept You're expecting that to violin identify to kick the in. worst pa- Castlevania games by memory. I mean, like mid nineteenth century. <laughs> nope. Is that one of the N sixty four ones? Like yes. Oh. oh Jesus, nice. Quote. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is Castlevania, which is more popularly known as Castlevania sixty four. Supposedly legendarily awful, but I remember when it came out, like I thought it was pretty good. Like it wasn't necessarily what I had wanted from a Castlevania game. I think I got my hands on it before I was able to play Symphony of the Night. But uh, yeah, I'm running around. I'm whipping monsters. It has some really memorable moments with like you're fighting a giant skeleton or getting chased around a hedge maze by Frankenstein with a chainsaw for a hand. Did any anybody ever play this? Yeah, my my memory still sticks out as. How stupid the whip looked. It really did. And, like, it was terrible in 3D, honestly. So, it the whip just was a- polygonal in 2D, <laughs> but it just looked like a, like a long... Ju- like, if, it's, if, if Belmont just opened a new jump rope... Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it, it never fully extends. I feel like the problems with Castlevania 64 are not like inherent game problems. They're like N64 problems. Yeah, yeah. Like it looks terrible mm-hmm. because of the <laughs> N64's texture situation. Like it's slow. It can't really. Yeah. Yeah. It's plotting. The, the, the camera so. is terrible. Like, we forget yes. how bad 3D cameras used to be. It keeps getting hung up on scenery. There's no Z targeting. You just have to auto target and hope that you hit whatever's closest. Uh, and it's it's almost impossible to hit anything with your sub weapons. Like, you know, every time I threw a dagger, it just sailed off into space. Uh, <laughs> but that's, that's if you're playing as Reinhard Schneider, which if you're a Castlevania fan, yeah, you probably are. You might have had an easier time of it with this character. So you get to play as a magical little girl, a, a little girl orphan who has uh, spells that she can charge up and or throw fireballs, and they'll just auto-target enemies, and so you can just kind of run around spamming attack, and your attacks will find something. It's sort of easy mode, and it's it's much more approachable than trying to play as Reinhardt. But this, this game did do some interesting stuff, like it was structured more like a story-driven adventure game with really bad platforming and you know <laughs> acceptable action parts i guess but you know then it, it strung the story along there were things that could only happen like at day or night so you would get like cards that could advance the time of day jeez i have not played this in so hmm. long i don't remember any of this yeah and uh there was also legacy of darkness which was the Sort this was of the Wolfman. Yeah, that was the Wolfman okay. one, but it was also it was both a, a prequel and an enhanced remake because when you finished Cornell's story, he's the, Cornell was basically what if Bruce Lee was a werewolf, and uh, <laughs> so after you play through that story, then you unlock the characters from the first game and play through their story, but like with better level design, 
better textures because it used the expansion pack. And then there was also, I think there's like a little boy that you save in the first game and like, or, or as Cornell, but, but then he comes back as, you know, this fully grown dude in armor with a pistol. So it's like, oh, that's kind of a neat addition, but maybe not neat enough to justify spending whatever it was, 60 to $80 on a new version of an old game from a year ago that you didn't like. Wow, I forgot all about this. Yeah, it's it's very clunky and very strange and very, very much a product of the N64. Mm. This couldn't exist on any other system. It's It's an experiment in early 3D action game design, and it doesn't really work, but, like, it's kind of neat if you're willing to put up with its bullshit. <laughs> Did it ever get a virtual console release? I don't... I, it may have. I'm not sure. That's a good question. Didn't, yeah, I'm not didn't try it, to look it up on Wii U. I just remember this being, you know, before we could play this, and because I'm ancient, I was just looking at pictures of this in a magazine, just screenshots, and mm-hmm. at the time... This was one of the first games on a new platform I recall being like, that doesn't look good. Like, that looks really bad and blocky and and not and like anything that it's supposed to be. Well, we didn't, I don't even think we had the term next gen back then. But even mm-hmm. the, even back in N64 days, I'm like, boy, I think I think uh, Castlevania looks better in, in 2D. I, I think I'll, I'll try this other uh, yeah. 2D version that's over here on the PlayStation. I you know? distinctly, because of magazines, being more excited for this than Symphony. Because, mm-hmm. like... That just looks like the old thing. Like, what the fuck do I... What do I want that yeah. for? Uh, this looks like a world I can inhabit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, one thing that I think is, is lost on some people is that, like, yeah, back in the day with N64 and PlayStation, like, we we kind of knew that this looked bad. Like, polygons were really ugly, but, like, they opened up a new kind of gameplay. And so we just sort of put up with it because it's like, this will get better... It's it's just ugly for now. Eventually, we'll be playing better and better looking games, and now they're they're very much standard. We play games that look like CG movies, yeah. but it wasn't always that way. No, no, I I, I think yeah, it took me I, not until it had a greatest hits edition did I finally check out Symphony because mm. all of our chips were pushed onto this being mm-hmm. the end all be all of what <laughs> Castlevania was supposed to be. I'm so and sorry. I remember, I remember playing it and it just had that vibe. I'm like, oh, you got it, and like, yeah. Is it is it great? No. I think so. <laughs> you want to see it? Yeah. Oh, um, that looks confusing. What's that accordion? That's my whip. Mm-hmm. That's, the, <laughs> that's the, the. Yeah, and on the original hardware, it's very choppy and weird. So yeah, I, it's like there's some stuff to like about it, but obviously there's much better Castlevanias. Surprisingly, this is one of them. Number four. You've got, um, could be six vampire hunters going at once there. Oh, is this the one that, like, pulls way back? Yes. I never remember the name of oh, it. Oh, this is like, like, Harmony... Of despair. Harmony of despair. That's yeah. it. Not to be confused with Harmony of Dissonance, Harmony of a much, Dissonance. much better yeah. GBA game. I just confused it with that. Yeah, with Juiced Belmont, so-called because he uses steroids. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> this this one idea. had this one had a like a like a real strong like hardcore fan base that played. Oh it. yeah, yeah, and uh, it's it's easy to see why because like if you are a 
hardcore fan of Castlevania's action. You don't care so much about the Metroidvania elements or the story. You just want, like, this big, challenging level, like, just bespoke level that you can just grind through over and over again for XP and loot and stuff. Like, this is... You know, before shooter looters were popular, I can say, harmony is what I wanted. I wanted Ooh. Castlevania to be fucking Destiny. Great, mm-hmm. thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'd, I'd say it's it's like Dead Cells. It's like a roguelite, except it doesn't reshuffle anything. You just mm, have these right. six levels, which and and then you can buy more. Uh, and and I actually played this for a little bit and liked what I played enough that I went and bought all of the DLC. There's about $36 worth of it. Uh, and what, (laughs) and you can play like to, to begin with, you can play as I think, um, who's the, the guy from portrait of ruin. So it's like the two characters from Portrait of Ruin, and then uh, Jonathan. Jonathan, was, yeah, it Jonathan. Was, Moore. It was Charlotte, Jonathan, yeah. Charlotte. Right. Yes, yes, <laughs> of course. Uh, so you, you can play as them, and I think Jonathan is like your one Belmont. You, there's uh, Shanoa, who seems to be like the favored character for experienced players because she gets to use those like little grapple points and, and fling herself around the stage. There's Alucard. And Soma, you know Soma, Cruz, the teenager in a fur coat from uh, Aria of Sorrow. Everybody knows him. But it's sort of a meager selection. But then if you look at the DLC, you've got Richter Belmont, Julius Belmont. You've got Simon Belmont, who appears as like his original 8-bit NES sprite and is insanely overpowered. Oh, he's, he's give me the Captain N version. Yeah. I, I like my <laughs> like my Simon Belmont to feel like a Aspen skier. Well, then you want uh, Castlevania '64 because Reinhard Schneider was like the closest to that yes. Captain N Belmont design that I've ever seen oh, in a game. <laughs> Getting his scarf caught on stuff. The premise is like it, it starts you out uh, in in like a, a pre built level filled with enemies. It shows you like here's the boss. And now you have to work your way up to the boss. It's essentially a boss rush. And uh, you can play single player, but ideally you should be playing with two or more up to six players because then you can do cool stuff like open shortcuts for each other. Or one player works an elevator that sends another player down to where they can get much closer to the boss in a hurry. And you want to hurry because all the levels are timed out to uh, like 30 minutes. So there's a lot wow. to get through in, in most of these. Um, among the DLC levels is actually an original Castlevania level that Simon goes with, which basically recreates the layout of the entire NES game using original monster sprites and background tiles in one huge level that you wow. have to get through in 30 minutes, like with, with the bosses even. And so that's, that's kind of cool. That it was, it was able to do that. And actually, I was looking at YouTube videos, and here is from a speedrun by an account called the Super SNES. This is NES Simon beating Dracula in about 35 seconds. <laughs> what is it? Hey! Our playtime is over! Give me power! This is not the end. It is just the beginning. Gaze upon my dark form. Impossible. Not this time. There 
There it is. <laughs> I did not edit any of that. That is somebody just playing. Where did where did you buy this? Xbox Live, actually. Yeah, they still have it. Up. Xbox Live they still arcade. have it. It is backward compatible. Wow. 10 years, 12, 11 years on. Mm-hmm. You can play it on your Xbox series. And, and yeah, that's an interesting thing about it is that because it's meant to be multiplayer and because you might need a full view of the screen but not want to have to pull up a map, you can just, like, hit uh, R3, like the, the right thumbstick, and zoom out to various levels so you can see, like, the entire map and you're just tiny and you can zoom in to, like, a medium level of zoom, or you can zoom in close and it looks like a regular Castlevania game. And I think I avoided this one for a couple of reasons when it came out. Number one was that I was told, like, oh, yeah, it's, like, really far out and you can barely see what your character's doing. So that was somebody who obviously hadn't discovered the zoom. And once you once you missed that, like, initial run, like, all the mm-hmm. veteran players are, like, doing, like, thousands and thousands worth of damage and they are moving very fast through the level so like if you weren't on their level after a certain point like if you missed launch you were just behind Mm -hmm. yeah you have to grind uh, by yourself for single player for a while for two to get to their level i know but i'm looking at it and i want to why did i miss Mm. out on this well because it didn't get well reviewed that's that's Mm. why and i think the problem with a lot of these is that they are not giving castlevania players what they want necessarily like you go into a castlevania game with certain expectations huh? <laughs> i said girlfriends oh, girl. sorry <laughs> yeah, they want girlfriends. got it got it yeah it's, it's definitely a, a good game but like like but not a good x game which is yeah like some games fall afoul of that like oh this is a good i i don't know mario game i mean like this is a good game but it's not a good mario game like that kind of issue yeah, that happens with some. I mean, the content is kind of scarce. I guess, like you know, there, it it only has six levels by default. So you know, once you get through them, you could you could theoretically play through this in you know maximum three hours because each level is timed out to half an hour, and you'll probably finish it in less time than that. Um, it it is pretty tough. It can be very frustrating if you spend twenty minutes to try and clear a level and then die and have to start all over again. Healing items are are sort of scarce and have to be equipped beforehand. So, again, like if you, if you're invested in Castlevania, like this sort of multiplayer experience is probably not what you were looking for or wanted, and you're not going to get the same thing out of it. But if you go in prepared and knowing what you're in for, like yeah, this is just like a really tough hardcore 2D platforming Castlevania. Like yeah, there's definitely some fun here, but you know. It's a little, little bit scarce, and uh, not a lot of personality, this guy yelling at you aside. You too shall be my puppet! That's like the boss of the second level, the, the <laughs> big scary-faced puppet master, who is the only boss who comes out like front and center on the screen, superimposed over the level, and yells at you before scuttling off to his uh, his little headquarters where you have to find him. It does feel like there's like a version of this that would be released now that like randomly generates the levels or something yeah. like that and yeah. you you run into it but you do a sequel yeah, of this, this, this is a roguelike this was yeah. real early mm-hmm. this was like 20 2009 2010 like yeah yeah 2012, 2011 2011 that recent mm-hmm. okay uh but yeah it's that's, it's that's it's a, not recently <laughs> it feels recent <laughs> i know it's 12 years ago but 
like, oh, that was just a few years ago, right? This game's in junior high now, Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, <laughs> oh, fair. My. Good Lord. Um, but yeah, su- surprisingly fun. You just kind of have to know what you're in for and that it's not a... It's it's both an ultra-traditional Castlevania and not at all a Castlevania. There's also a Getsu Fumaden DLC level and character that is like a, a Famicom game that's sort of similar to Castlevania, but with samurai and yokai and stuff. Uh, never played it. But anyway, here's something you might be familiar with, uh, even just playing as a stunt. Number three. I think this is the only one I didn't find much to like about. Does that, that music ring any bells for anybody? No. This is Haunted Castle, the oh. <laughs> the 1988 Castlevania arcade game uh, where you are very slow and very big and Konami really needs your quarters right now. So could you die in two hits, please? Mm. This is so bizarre. Oh, God. I, this, the first time I played this game, it left a bad taste in my mouth because, number one, it's, it's super ugly. It's really gory compared to a lot of... Of, of other Castlevanias, or at least like those first zombies you meet are like really gross and mutilated and just literally dripping with blood. And it feels a little off-brand, honestly. And it is like the 2D side-scrolling equivalent of Dragon's Lair, where like if you don't have shit memorized and know exactly what's going to pop out at you and can time your whips and ducks and jumps to get past it, you will die and you will hear this a lot. And the problem is that there's no lives. You can continue. If you die, you have to put in another quarter, continue. But you have limited continues. So I think you can do that like three times and then it starts you over from level one. Uh, oh, there's no, that's awful. Yeah, there's no health refills if you fight like a, a mid-boss uh, or a mid-level boss. The first boss that you fight is actually just a wall that flies at you in chunks and you have to know like okay when when is the when are the chunks coming my way oh. and once you <laughs> mega man's going to sue somebody yeah yeah it's it's very mega man except you die in two hits uh, Couldn't you pass first level? You could say I hit a wall. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah, clever, clever. I mean, my my buddy was trying to speed run this because he's a giant Castlevania fan, mm-hmm. and I wish there was a more funny anecdote. He gave up. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to work on speed running regular Castlevania. This is miserable. <laughs> well, your buddies run arcades, so they they have to. I mean, how do they feel about that monetization design? Like, yeah. Three continues and then you're done. Like most arcade games are like, yeah, if you're rich, you can beat this game. Just keep feeding it quarters. This game's like, no, fuck you. Yeah, you, this don't, is... you don't deserve to beat me. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, was there an arcade version of the game that was a little more like actual cat? And why abandon the Castlevania name so uh, quickly? It's these are all great questions because Castlevania had come out in the U.S. two years earlier and was a hit. So, yeah. like, why wouldn't you want that brand recognition? I don't that, know. That probably speaks more to divisions of the company, like Konami's arcade division versus home. Mm. Division. No, it not, needs not a generic talking. name. We sh- you should be able to think this is any game in the world. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's Hunt like when every castle. company got into the mobile biz. They're just like, uh, SEO the name. I don't know. Heroes <laughs> and Castles of Dungeon Sword. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. 
That's a shame because these sprites look good. Oh, this, like, the sprites look great at, when they're yeah, not in yeah. motion. Um, but like, oh, no. yeah, Simon Simon has just that very slow walk, like he's constipated, um, and, and like his his movements are very slow. It's not a very responsive game. So yeah, shit will come at you. You will be unprepared for it. You you'll die a lot. Um, your your whip will sometimes be replaced with a sword. The sub weapons aren't great. The boomerang looks like a V and doesn't come back to you. I don't know. It's it's just kind of like a a weird. Like if if somebody on Newgrounds had put this out as a flash game and just like a Castlevania fan who likes the gameplay but doesn't really understand how to replicate it, that would be Haunted Castle. Like it's interesting <laughs> as a curiosity, but like there's there's not a whole lot to redeem this. And like I was watching playthroughs of this, people got like to the end of this game, like I would not have the patience for that. I'm sorry, I I would not play any more of this than you know maybe past the first level unless i absolutely had to like for work and even then that would take a lot of motivation like it would take a lot of memorization mm-hmm. and then all of 17 minutes <laughs> see yeah. my and, and my like past castlevania like i just can't get into this would would have been castlevania the adventure which is mm. one of those yeah. original Game Boy games that also, is not meant to be built by, like, beaten by a child. Like, they're just torture devices as video games. Yeah, also very um, slow and, and kind of yeah. crappily designed and, and just sort of a weird take on Castlevania. I mean, Simon was slow in the first Castlevania, right? He was not that slow. Not this slow. He's yeah, like, this he's, slow? He, okay. he's like Splatterhouse slow. Yeah. 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 He doesn't lift his feet when he walks. He just kind of shuffles along uh-huh. with his feet yeah. kind of staying planted. And he goes full barbarian. Yeah. Well, we, we actually see him at the beginning in a tuxedo because this has more story than a lot of those early games did. Mary's Konami. Oh, that's good. So he's getting married, and Dracula swoops in and steals his bride. Oh, that, yeah. that explains the name. It was originally called Bride of Frankenstein, but that was taken. Uh, he's, yeah. he's, he's marrying Frankenstein in that scene, clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, clearly. Uh, Frankenstein's, uh, Frankenstein's cuckold, please. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, never, never going to call it Frankenstein's monster my entire so life. I'm, nobody should. Did you pay the $8 for the, the Switch version? No. Oh, what? Good. Does, does yeah, that it's, one? It's available. You can buy it on Switch. So it's the arcade that's, archives. That's right. The arcade archives came out with it, and I wonder because I know there was a PS2 version released in Japan that gave it unlimited continues. So it's just like, okay, well, that would at least dull some of the pain. But like, this is a game that, like, if you play it enough times, like, you will eventually just memorize it by default, and uh, you'll you'll be able to get through it. But it's not an enjoyable experience. It's not something I would ever do for fun. And I've played some really boring fucking games in my time. Uh, looking at this uh, review, apparently, an uh, ex-Konami staffer said that this game was completed in just six months. Yes, yes, this is true. So Wow. Yeah, and it shows, and it shows. This one, I think, had a much longer development cycle. Number two. What is a man? But a visual pile of secrets. Thank you, Robert Carlyle. 
Oh, wow. Oh, Robert Carlyle. Is this the Lords of Shadow nobody likes? Uh-huh. Two. I mean, the other one? Lords of Shadow 2. I I actually really liked this one when it I came out. Do. I know I one, I, I can't one, remember one if I reviewed it or not. But. Uh, yeah, I, I came to these after the fact, but they're good games. I think they're both yeah, good games. Yeah. Uh, two is not as good as one, but yeah. it does it does some interesting stuff. Like they they try to make it more open world. It was the term that they used. I think it's more of like a three D Metroidvania. And it's also like you're playing as Dracula. In the modern day, and you keep flashing back and forth between modern day, which is really sort of like a, you know, a, a weird gothic techno-industrial dystopia, and Dracula's castle, which I think is maybe in his mind somewhere, but this is all his about... mind castle. Yeah, his mind, yes. And so this, this did a bunch of things wrong, I think. Um, I, I know it got criticized that the combat was kind of simplistic and button mashy it was very clearly trying to emulate god of war 3 both in its approach to basic hack and slash combat and in like it would have these big set pieces like the very first level is you fighting this uh titan this like gigantic medieval mech that you have to climb around on and uh you know get get up to its head so you can trick this archer into shooting these bolts off so you can remove its mask and vomit <laughs> blood on the crystal that animates it, which then sends the whole thing crashing down. Oh my god, this is yeah. exhausting. Uh, An adventure another, game territory. Another problem is that this has way too many cutscenes. Like, mm. so it starts out with, like, the, the abilities tutorial, where it starts you off at full power so you can see what it's like before it busts you back down to zero, and then you watch what feels like maybe 15 min 15 20 minutes of cutscenes and then uh you're you're set loose in one of the worst stealth segments ever it also added stealth that was kind of thoroughly terrible because it made you essentially powerless like you couldn't fight back because oh no the guards are too tough in your current condition so you have to hide in alcoves and turn into rats and distract people with bat swarms because you're Dracula. And on top of that, it was just kind of clunky stuff that didn't feel good and relied more on puzzle mechanics than anything that I'd actually call stealth. But I think even even though I'm talking shit about it, like I feel like overall it was a very fun game. Like that's that's the thing with a lot of these. Like yeah, the moment to moment gameplay. Once you're in the normal action and exploration, it's fun. It's satisfying. It's just that it has all these other parts that it keeps shoehorning in that sort of disrupt the flow and the experience. I mean, you know where I am on cutscenes, and mm-hmm. that was oh yeah, they're ugh, your favorite. Kind of my, I don't know, but it's it's, so, it's just so pace shattering, and that that was even evident in the mm. first game. Yeah, and uh, I remember being warned off of this one for that. Yeah, I think the the first one had a a pretty solid story, and it did well for telling it, and it helped that it was linear for the most part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this one, I like it still played okay. It's just they, they, it, like it got away from them, and you can tell that. Mm. Yeah, I think the way it's, you guys are describing this is like it's the reason I like playing sevens sometimes. Like it sounds like a seven, right? It's like mm-hmm. it does so much right, but then it gets away from the devs, and there's just some things you have to put up with. But like you still have fun playing it. Like, yeah, I think I think you're right, Matt. Because I think I, when we saw the first Lords of Shadow. The anticipation was like, not only is Castlevania back, this is Game of the Year territory. In Lords of Shadow 2, there was no whisper of a Game of the Year. No. <laughs> but it doesn't mean it was horrible. Like, uh, it, like it was never worth playing, and I never did. 
it's a bit like dating a seven in real life. You know, you're like mm. you're not like ashamed to bring them out when you go out with your buddies or whatever. But at the same time, it's yeah, you know, it's. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know because anybody I date is immediately dropped to a six just by just by <laughs> my value. <laughs> well, and, and as much as I you know front loaded the bad mouthing, I think when it came out, like I I want to say I did review it and I reviewed it rather highly. Like I really liked it. And then it's one of those every once in a while, if you're a reviewer you kind of get these sinking moments where like you really like something and you write the review and you put it out there and then all the other reviews start rolling in yeah. and you, you fool they're like oh fives and sixes like what did i miss what what did no. i get wrong here do i have bad taste in games those are my favorite those are my favorite I mean, reviews because it's like hey i'm going to, uh, at least the way i review yeah. read reviews i'm going to that guy because of his opinion that, that mm-hmm. guy or girl or you know yeah. that person sorry but then you know and like you know so what, what do i care how they stack up against the other reviewers you know yeah th- those those are usually not the ones that like bothered me as a reviewer usually it was the other way around like mm. like i hated a game mm-hmm. and then the like comes out and i'm just like what What's happening? What's here? with all these nines yeah. and tens? <laughs> yeah. This obvious five. I, I'm I'm with you, Mike. That that bugs me the most is kind of where it happens to me a lot with movies where I'm just like, this thing's fine, you know, whatever. It's it's a time filler, and then people are like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. I need to see Avatar four times. I'm like, no, you don't. You really don't need to see it. Uh, but yeah, any chance I can to get a jab at Avatar for Chris, even though the game looks phenomenal, Michael can't wait to play. Why it am I the Avatar? I just like you the, movie. the Avatar guy. You spent there was like what thirty twenty ten where you spent like an hour defending that movie. You will it'll be on your gravestone now. Like this. Oh, because really well, because because the, the hate is 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 unwarranted. Yes, and I think because you went to the theme park with Charlie, right? And you guys had a good no. time, but there were long lines. Oh, wait, the, oh, the the Adventures of the Navi Nuts. That was a day, man. That was a day. We couldn't get on any ride. Two lines are too long. Is that the the one that I probably can't fit on because there's a weight limit on one of those Navi coasters? <laughs> yes, but yeah. I'm sure you can fit on it if I can. Uh, I might be I might be right up against that weight limit. I'm pushing 300, buddy. Whoa. Okay. Damn. Well, hey. I'm right. not really by like by like 50, 58 pounds. In his balls alone. Am I yeah, right? in my fucking guillemes. He's got elephantitis. It's really terrible. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's but anyway, so I, I did go back and I, and play this again, f- not all the way through for a couple of hours. Ooh, what do you this. know? But uh, like, <laughs> I, I still like it. And, and it's one of those things where it's like, all right, looking at this, trying to look at this objectively in, in light of what other people were saying about it. Like, yes, I can see the flaws. I don't mind so much. Like, mm. you know, yeah, the, mm. the cutscenes are long. The pacing is weird. But I, f- I still feel like the game overall is pretty enjoyable. So I know, I know I'm in the minority here. But, like, I, I also find the, the storyline kind of compelling. Patrick Stewart recruits you to fight the devil. And uh, that's never <laughs> not interesting. Do you know that this city is built upon the foundations of your castle? The Acolytes are focusing their attentions here for very good reason. Satan has specifically chosen this place for his return. He means to enslave you first, to humiliate you for what you did to him. Let's get on with it. I have a question for Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. It's many, why to open the store. <laughs> how many acolytes are there? Um, there are four acolytes. <laughs> <laughs> I understood that reference. Thank you. 
it's from Star Trek. It's, it's been memed to hell. Um, I haven't heard of it. Anything but Kevin Sorbo's Andromeda can get the fuck out of here. You're right. Master actor <laughs> Kevin Sorbo. Uh, <laughs> who has the best political beliefs. He is, he is a master debater and a cunning linguist. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But, yeah, the, your, your goal here is like, okay, you have to seek out Satan's kids who are manipulating human society as a shadow government and they're trying to bring Satan back to Earth because Satan thinks you're dead and so he doesn't have to be afraid anymore. And uh, I I don't want to spoil too much, but there's a bunch of double crosses and self-deception and other stuff going on behind the scenes here and it all involves this guy. Only my father, Gabriel Belmont, can destroy Dracula. It is too late for me. How can you be so sure? The roots of evil are deep. Irreversibly so in the hearts of men. So yeah. Bad dad. <laughs> Lords of Shadow has its own convoluted... Yeah, he's, he's basically Darth Vader in that scene. Lords of Shadow has its own convoluted mythology. In this version, Gabriel Belmont becomes Dracula... Trevor Belmont is Gabriel's son who goes to fight his father without really knowing that Dracula is his father and uh, ends up getting turned into a vampire and changing his name to Alucard. So they're the same person in this universe. Change, changing his name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's silly, but it's fun. And there is a, I think, a Revelations DLC where you play as Alucard. And uh, it's it's all about like what happens just before the events of Lords of Shadow Two, and uh, yeah, it's it's fun. There's also a 3DS game like Mirror that's of right, Fate. yes, Mirror of Fate, which is the last Metroidvania style Castlevania like 2D side scrolling open map. But it's like it's like a series seriously important to the series and the story, right? If yes, I, unless I remember hugely important actually. So it's weird that like it has some of the most crucial lore and yet it's the side game that came out originally for 3ds you can you can play that now i think on pc and on consoles mirror of fate hd it was bizarre to see a 3ds game like ported like that very so quickly like this mm-hmm. is really important if you could want to pre- branch be between Lords of Shadow final fantasy game. game it would be on mobile at that point yeah and, that's true uh, unavailable so. well i mean i think it also did not do that great on 3ds but they were it, it reviewed better than Lords of Shadow 2. Mm, well, yeah, that's true. That's true. But, you know, Lords of Shadow 2 didn't review great at all. Yeah, and these were these were all Mercury Steam who mm-hmm. went on to do uh, Metroid Dread. That's right. Yeah. Um, and and the remake of Metroid 2. Also for 3DS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what that was called. It's also had a weird thing. I didn't remember, like, the this series' take on Gorgons. Like Medusa and and them, they they just turn them into like J horror ghosts from like Juwan or the Ring or something, complete with like weird radio static. Uriale, Stano, where is your sister? She won't be long. Look, here she comes now. So they crawl around on all fours a lot. They what do like herky jerky movements. Uh, twenty twelve, I want to say. Okay, that was a little little past the yeah. Korean horror fascination the United mm-hmm. States briefly had in the early two thousands. So weird. 
Yeah. Because otherwise, that's the only way I could explain that. It's like, oh yeah, they were modeling the ring because everybody modeled everything after the ring. Twenty fourteen, actually, I was wrong. Uh, wow. So yeah. Really? <laughs> wow. 2014, yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's just women with their hair in their face. Mm. That's yeah. yeah, their hair in their face, <laughs> they got kind of fucked up scarred faces, and they got snakes coming out of their backs for some reason instead of uh, their hair. Gross. Yeah. Oh, it's so nasty. But not as nasty as our... <laughs> Trevor Belmont. Dracula. The first man to destroy me. At last, sweet vengeance, I will savor this. As I will savor this chance to repay you for my scars. Come then, <laughs> what a suitable finale this will make. Well, every bit of dialogue in this game can be read as a sexual double entendre, if you're mm-hmm. listening hard enough. But who remembers what this is, or has any Nobody. Clue? All right. We're going to Mike. Mike. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty good, but I, even there, like, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a LucasArts adventure uh, Castlevania game. Yeah, right? like, lots of people didn't play this one on general principle because it was a fighting game for Castlevania Wii. Judgment. Yes. Oh no! See, I don't remember any audio. I remember the designs for this because they're done by uh, uh, Takeshi Obata, who yeah. did uh, Death Note. Yeah, did if I remember the art for Death Note, and so they they're all kind of designed with the sensibility that went into Ryuk from Death Note rather than the actual human characters in that series. All I remember is child-based S&M. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, well. Unformed unformed preteens covered in uh, leather buckles and spikes. Yeah, so it's a fighting game that mashes together a bunch of characters from throughout the Castlevania continuum. You've got uh, Trevor and Simon Belmont got the main characters from Dracula's Curse. You've got Grant, Sypha, and Alcard. You've got... It's Castlevania's Duodecim. Yeah, you got... Basically, <laughs> yes! Yes, in a lot of ways, because this is... It is not a traditional fighting game. It is you and another character in a big 3D arena filled with hazards and different platforms. It's very easy to get an accidental ring out. The camera is weird. You don't lock onto your opponent, which would make sense for a fighting game. Instead, you're just sort of running around freely looking for, you know, items and stuff that'll give you an edge when you come back and fight them directly. It's super unbalanced. The, the, there's not a lot of depth to it. And every character has like a super move that can knock out most of their opponent's health in one hit. So matches are over very quickly and can often be unsatisfying if you get caught in those. But it it does do some interesting stuff. Um, Again, like a lot of these, uh, the moment-to-moment gameplay is surprisingly fun because one thing that they never told us is, like, yes, it's a fighting game for Wii. No, you do not have to play with Waggle. You can play with a regular controller. You can play with a GameCube controller if you want. Uh, And that is a much more responsive and enjoyable way to play it. So, yeah, it's weird. There's a new story. They introduce a character called Aeon, who's like the keeper of time. Right on time. Welcome to the Time Rift. A rift in time? Explain what you mean. Slowly. This is where you'll find what you desire. But first, there are many trials you must pass. <laughs> I didn't cut this down. A test? Intriguing. My name is Aeon. 
Shall we begin the first trial? <laughs> Come on, sit on down, Suge. It's Aeon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was just so, wow. Okay, yeah. I mean, for good comparison of like a time god in one of these fighting games, just compare with the last Mortal Kombat game, Chronica, mm-hmm. which is the most ridiculous name. Like, that's just a pot name that they hid in their game in sure. plain sight. But uh, sure. Okay. Uh, and this guy has a... I'm looking at designs as has a giant watch sword. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, I was hoping you were going to say like a flavor flave clock around his neck. That would have been amazing. No, it's got like a chain on it, so it's like a pocket watch, but also like a sword. Flavor flave chain. Yeah. Oh, so Rygar. I'm seeing what they stole from. <laughs> uh-huh. Mm. Uh-huh. It's not that cool. Sorry. <laughs> this has a bunch of really questionable design choices. Like it has. Eric Lacard from Castlevania Bloodlines, but he's a little boy for some reason. You've got Maria Renard from Rondo of Blood and Symphony of the Night. She she appears as like, you know, this weird little girl in, I think, yeah, this is what you mentioned, like the pink bondage gear and with, with blonde pigtails. And she's extremely anime. And every time she meets a woman with bigger boobs than her, she gets weirdly obsessive about it. They're huge. Will you stop? These things only get in the way. How, how can you say that? Those are a sacred gift. Even the vampires are bigger than mine. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, she's I'm, just a guy, is what you're saying. She just obsesses <laughs> about boobs bigger than her own. Uh, I well, I guess her whole thing is like, well, she's not actually a little girl. She's just sort of a late bloomer. So she gets really upset when people call her a little girl and also have more developed bodies than she has. I, I think, like, I'm not saying this game is unnecessarily maligned. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's necessarily just, uh, maligned. But. Yeah, well, one of the things that was hard to live through during all this was watching the Castlevania series try and find itself, especially when it found it did find itself mm-hmm. on portables that didn't rely on, let's be honest, a lot of innovation and graphical newness. It, it yeah. like, uh, yeah, this is a great place for the series to sit and thrive. It just wasn't, you know, it's not enough for a company like Konami and watching the poor Castlevania series try and redefine itself in every other way was so painful. And I think also part of this, this is really right up against street fighter four. And, and like it's, it's making a fighting game when fighting games have been kind of a forgotten genre and street fighter four would kind of redefine that. This is nothing like street fighter. No, 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 no. This is, but like there should be a format where things, don't have to be balanced for infinite Evo play. Like, uh, it, it is not, it is, it is interesting. It is unbalanced, but like most people are going to play this through by themselves anyway. Yeah. But the problem when I say it's unbalanced is that like you will be playing through, like this is fun to a point. Like I, mm-hmm. I started out and I was like, I was having a lot of fun. Like, this is awesome. I don't understand why people say bad stuff about this. And then like a few fights in, started meeting opponents that it's just like, yeah, this guy just wipes the floor with me, dodges all my hits, and uh, then unleashes a super attack that kills me. And there doesn't appear to be a clear counter. So it's it's kind of becoming not fun. Because, mm. uh, and, and maybe it's a difficulty issue. Maybe it's just like, yeah, this character, these when you put these two characters together, together like Trevor is super weak against Grant Dynasty or, you know, something like that. But... And it, it also, like, 
locks off most of the characters to begin with. You have to unlock a lot of them, so there's not a lot of variety there right from the start. I think you only can play through the story as Simon and Alucard to begin with, and then as you unlock more characters, you can play through and get, uh, you know, great scenes like this. Cypher? <laughs> You're so young. Who are you? Why do you know my name? This should make it clear. Care to test the power of a true vampire hunter? A Belmont? I've been waiting for this. I confess wondering what this would be like. Show me what a hunter of the church can do. Again. But slowly. <laughs> yes. If I'd put a zipper sound effect in there, that would have completely <laughs> changed the context, but it still would have fit. Or would yes. it have? It's, um, so, it's so weird this exists, and it's so weird. Of all the re-releases konami has seen castlevania undergo this is totally lost on weep nowhere yeah. else it's it's stuck there and nobody's really calling for it to come to anything else and that's probably okay honestly like there's not really a lot to i i, I believe strongly the castle the, the the netflix series is helping uh people find the castlevania series mm. and you need to find a lot of it before this becomes worth seeking out yeah Honestly, I think the one of the best things that you can grab if you are into the series and wanting to play more Castlevania is the Advance Collection. Because, like, those GBA games are some of the best games They're in really, the series. really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially Aria of Sorrow. And, um, yeah, Rondo that's, of Blood, that, Again, that's why the, the cutscenes in Lords of Shadow, like, hampered my Castlevania experience since most of its life at that point had been on portables, which would never waste your time with a 20 minute cutscene. Mm -hmm. Never. Like it's just go, 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 figure it out, figure it out, combine weapons, go. And the ones that would are real bad. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, that has been our top five, I guess, Judgment. maligned Castlevania games. Crapplevania, as Matt was saying. Um, Crapplevania. <laughs> Crapplevania or Asslevania? I guess Castlevanity. So. Ooh, sure. Why not? No, I don't like that one at all. No. But uh, <laughs> but, yeah. but I miss this series deeply. Yeah, me too. I want more. I I'd, I'd take a bad one at this point, honestly. Yeah, I I I was never. You know, I'm not. I'm too dumb to be a story guy, and I just. It's one of those memories I have it being in the office with like you and Brett. Like I played pretty much every Castlevania game except for some of the portable ones. And then hearing you guys talk about it, I'm like, you guys sure remember a lot of story and know how this connects to everything. And I had <laughs> no idea. Uh, so that never mattered to me anyway. So like whenever Castlevania like marketed itself and like you're playing as this character a hundred years beforehand or this will solve the things that like I don't get that at all I think those are bad moves hmm. Mo most people who play those games don't really remember all that shit to me it was always about the enemy like I never really cared at all about who the the main character was so like you don't you don't know the the, mm -hmm. the full like you know Leon to like Trevor. No, it, Simon, it, Justy, Richter. I always thought uh, like, oh, that's weird. Anyway, fuck yes, horror bosses, blood. Yes, yeah. go, go, go. Well, this is all. That's the thing that Castlevania was like based on universal horror monsters. And if yeah. uh, Universal had had any brains, they would have pursued something like this instead of the the world of darkness that they tried to start with Tom Cruise and the Mummy. Yeah. Yes. It was, it was, I think the game was, the original game was even programmed by, uh, Belloc Lugosi. 
Ah, yeah. So <laughs> that sounds like something that would have been in the credits. Yes, <laughs> the credits are all Universal Monster ne- next to Peachon and Peachon's Mama. Uh, <laughs> I think I think that that might be a Capcom reference, something from Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Uh, anyway, doesn't that, I, I couldn't prove it, but like something um, something about a haunted mansion, like it wasn't that far after. Ghosts and Goblins. Is that what you were going for with your Castlevania game? Like a prettier Ghosts and Goblins? Because hmm. it's fucking hard and you move like an idiot. Yeah. Oh, you mean Haunted Castle? Yeah. A Haunted Castle. Yeah, yeah that one. A yeah. Haunted Mansion. I was just trying to get Matt's attention. <laughs> I did I did see <laughs> at least one person say like, yeah, they seem to be inspired by Ghosts and Goblins by which, you know, don't let people win at all. Yeah. Yeah. Take, take out a 10 minute experience and make it super painful to memorize. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, Ghosts and Goblins is fun to a point to begin with, and then gets really hard really quickly. Haunted Castle just starts out really fucking hard. Your first enemy mm. is a bat that flies in a weird pattern that is hard to, to aim at, and uh, and takes off two chunks of your health bar, and then you run into a skeleton, and then it kills you immediately by throwing a bone at you. And Sounds like an Aramur situation to me. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, roughly five seconds of gameplay before you have to pump in another quarter. <laughs> it sucks, <laughs> but oh, yeah, Castlevania. It's one of my most missed series. God yeah. damn. And and yeah, I think you brought up Castlevania Adventure. That's another one that gets a lot of heat. Um, Castlevania Dracula X, aka Vampire's Kiss, which was the Super Nintendo port of Rondo of Blood. That was not very good. I mean, it was fine, but if you'd played Rondo of Blood, you'd know you're missing out. On I'm stuff. sure you told us this before. What the fuck is a Rondo? It's a type of music, I think. They're 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 all different musical terms. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's how it's always been. It's always been musical term of mm. bad I'm, thing. I'm sorry. It's still a Rondo Hatton reference. To yeah, me. <laughs> Rondo yeah. Hatton of blood. <laughs> Rajon Rondo, mm-hmm. the basketball player of mm-hmm. blood. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, this is one of the the few shows where, like, I, I, if I could leave right now, which I'm told I can't, uh, I would go get the advanced collection or. Harmony of Despair right now because I, I, I would really like to play a Castlevania game this time of year. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's some good ones out there. So um, that has been our top five. Uh, on that note, we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some Assassin's Creed Mirage Ooh. and some other new releases, Lamplighters League, Pizza Possum, plus some news, some other stuff, so stay tuned. <laughs> Get scratching. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. Alan over here to yeah. tell me more about not only a trip to Japan, the, the most recent person I know to go to Tokyo Disney Sea, biggest, bestest, most expensive Disney theme park in the entire world, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Most big. expensively built, maybe not to visit right now with the strength of the dollar. Hey, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to mm-hmm. Tokyo Disney Sea twice to the point where, oh. ask me if I'd go again. Would you go again, Chris? I don't know that I would. 
That place has three-hour lines for everything. Well, the thing that I did, because the ticket, you know, with the with the conversion rate and stuff like that, the, the ticket itself to the park was only $70. Damn, really? Which is like half as expensive as Disneyland. Yeah. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And welcome back to our second segment, where we're just going to dive right into that segment that we all love, known as... Assassin's Creed Mirage is out, and full disclosure, I work for Ubisoft. These guys don't, but they all got free copies from me. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, what'd you guys think? I think it's an Assassin's Creed game (laughs) well it's it it is i don't know like uh where are you at with the ac series mike uh i have never never not liked an ac game there There are some that are lower on the list yes but all of them have been good i'm the same as you i think i was telling michael before we recorded kind of where i'm at with the series i never became an ac hater i -hmm. always just I liked all of them, and I was I was pretty I I was pretty Saving Private Ryan gif when it opens up with a fifteenth anniversary like Whoa, what oh, yeah. like and all these assassins and and the idea that it's been around long enough to have a throwback. But I've also that's the thing is I've also been through it enough where I've seen them go through the different phases of AC games. And so like Mm. what maybe they're touting as the new or difference about this game. I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember playing AC games when they were more like this. And because I always liked them, it's like, cool, this is going to be one more like that. Great. It's just, it's so weird. I I just had in my notes, it's hard for me to be a nostalgic about something that has only existed in the uh, achievements and trophy era. Mm. But still (laughs) it's, it's been around for 16 years now. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it, it's it's very good. Like you can tell that it is uh, Valhalla related, but I, I think pro- part of the issues that some people had with what we'll call the RPG era is maybe the fact that Mirage is so focused, and it's just the yeah. city, and the city is built for the parkour. Whereas when you got to a certain degree of uh, origin, Odyssey, and Valhalla. There are areas that are not necessarily built for parkour. They are yeah. built to be environments. Mm-hmm. Big mountains and things like this. And they're, and they're also yeah. not really built to be stealthy. And because this thing takes place in a city, it goes back to, sort of to its roots. The old days of like, yes, you could run from the guards, or you can dive in this thing and hide from them as they search you. Like It, it felt very... I hate. It sounds weird to say old school AC in that regard mm. to me, but it sort of well, is. It is. It is a very conscious return to roots for the franchise. In that uh, it, it's putting a bigger emphasis on stealth. Uh, Basim, the main character, is uh, he, he's reappearing from Valhalla, so this is a prequel to Valhalla, and this is kind of telling his origin story: how he went from a street thief to become a master assassin. So he is he's a capable fighter, but the way that it's built, uh, you can get very easily overwhelmed by crowds. And they what they want you to do instead is rely on stealth. So there's there's a, a really robust stealth system. Um, there's a mm-hmm. lot of indicators for like, you know, when you're on somebody's radar, when you're not. There's a yeah. lot of tools that you can use. You've got throwing knives, explosive traps, you've got noisemaker grenades, smoke bombs. And you can trick those out with a bunch of different effects. 
Not for me. I'm only a few hours in, and it is reminding me of old Assassin's Creed in that I can basically run to an area, start chaos with two dozen people, mm-hmm. haul ass, <laughs> and hide. Yeah, and I love that. I love. Yeah. I like as long as I, I'm clever of how I, how I parkour, I can usually get away. And then you can start staring down wanted posters and bribing orders yeah. and griots to tell what a good person I am. <laughs> and, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's a, that's also a good point, Mike. That the the city is very clearly made with parkour in mind. So you know, thinking about like and yeah, Odyssey and Origins, like you, you would spend a lot of time like riding a horse around or climbing mountains and other natural and there's not, scenery. There's and, not an easy way to run away from battles you shouldn't be involved in. No, <laughs> You're well, just screwed. You you climb and then you run like hell to try and break line of sight, and it'll you tell you sight, like yeah. it brings back the the last known position. So you like it'll create yeah. a little ghost. And Which then, I, I remember from Splinter Cell games. Like, mm-hmm. that's where I first saw that last known position thing. It yeah. Was, uh, and then you can sneak around and, like, hide in vegetation or dive into one of those, you know, the roof garden hiding spots from the first game. Um, what are those a lot supposed of to be? Those, like, they might as well be, like, outdoor porta potties. You know what those potties. are. Those are Baghdad jerk booths. <laughs> They're they're like gazebos with curtains, and I believe in the first game they were called roof gardens. So, Mm. okay, sure. Um, What matters is that they're there, and you can hide in them, and they're convenient. I like Chris's answer better. Yeah, jerk booth. And and you can, like, uh, I mean, I I haven't dug too thoroughly. Just that you can hide in water, which wasn't really a thing you could do in a classic mm. uh, AC game. It's it's harder, but like enemies won't really follow you into water. So it's but you good... couldn't go under the water and yeah. swim underwater. Yeah, well, not not in the early games, certainly. Not in the, not in the first, like, I want to say first five games, asterisk. So, yeah. I mean, Obviously I four, four. It being a big part of four. But. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but I, I think underwater stuff, that, that happened with Origins. I oh, did say. it? Yeah, where you could actually not, not, you know, four had the bits where, like, you go to a dive spot and then you're swimming yeah. around, but, like, in terms of organically, you can go underwater and swim around underwater. I think that happened first. But can you origins. breathe through a reed? If that's, if, uh, you know, come on. To escape a, a, a group of bees, a murder of bees. <laughs> I don't know what they're called. Uh, I'll, let, I'll, I'll allow you to wikipars me. We're just bees. We're called bees. <laughs> We're bees. We like cinnamon. <laughs> it's a swarm. It's, it's interesting because, like, the. Uh, the the Assassin's Creed Reddit, who is uh, like every other fandom, never happy, um, <laughs> or generally happy with the the return to form. But then like, you you like see some of the reviews. Like I saw Skelep, who's a, a guy like Ralph, and he was like, "This is not like an evolution, but it wasn't like planned like that. Like like not not to to to." Uh, take from your job, sir, but uh, Ubisoft has like a number of AC games planned. This was the throwback, Red is the next RPG era, and Hexa, codename Hex, sounds like the rethink. Like hmm. the, let's do something new. That's what, or Jade, or, uh, what, uh, that's what I found intriguing about this, is that like, I loved Odyssey and Origins, and Valhalla was like, this is almost too much of a deviation and huge and like really it hard to like wrap my big. head around. Yeah. yeah. And I, I didn't fall in love with that game as much as I did the other ones. But the idea that like, let's go back and forth. 
okay, rad. Like it's it's like Call of Duty now. Like uh, this will be like this this time and this this time or this next mm-hmm. time. And I, I feel like that's intriguing. And like <laughs> living through my nostalgia, which I consider the which started in the adult phase of my life, the very very adult phase of my life, is pretty interesting. And I'm having a really good time with it. Yeah. Also, we're old, so like yeah. we're old. <laughs> like, we like the uh, historical, <laughs> like having a game that you can finish, like like the story in like thirty hours. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. thank and God! And then maybe you oh, have like God. an extra, uh, an extra thirty hours of other stuff. Like if you want to keep playing, go ahead. Yeah, like we- I did Spider Man in fifteen was the story, and then I think the entire game was like thirty. Uh, yeah. Valhalla was like a hundred. Over sixty, who's counting? <laughs> like honestly, there is a point where you're just like, oh yeah, I yeah. know. Just just yeah. Valhalla had a lot of like, either I'm in for the long haul or I'm not. Let let's walk to and from a bunch of stuff with not a lot of stuff in between or fast travel. And this is just like, there's stuff within feet of you all the time, whether you know it's there or not. I'm a I, I call it like gardening. I will I will complete a region, so I'll like mark off. This is where I'm playing. Yeah. This evening. I will complete everything here. So Valhalla was like, I want to say it took me like 125. Yeah, Yeah, Valhalla was a lot. Like, I beat the DLCs before I beat the the main game, Mm -hmm. per se. Wow. Didn't know that was possible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because the the DLCs DLCs are kind of a side thing. Yeah, you can jump into them, like, at any point. So I think I beat the first two. I think I beat it before Ragnarok came out. Yeah, I remember really liking Siege of Paris with, like, the thing where you can imbue your arrows with, like, they attract swarms of rats to devour your enemies. That was a lot Oh, of yeah, fun. that was tough. Yeah. Well, uh, help me out here, Michael. And this is, this is, I, I don't even mean this as a knock. Hmm. It's just part of me, if you have not heard the last segment of 302010, like, ah, I can't believe Lord's Royals is a 10-year-old song because I'm still oh, wow. doing South Park Lord references. So she's, um, what, 25 now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she when that came out? I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, you know, I, I, I really do... I, I think the combat is some of the most fun it's been in years. They bring back the... Like, I don't know if, if you guys remember. I know Mike remembers the early Assassin's Creed games. And this, this wasn't something that I had heard before release. Is that, um, you know, the early Assassin's Creed games had a thing where you could do a parry and reversal. Like, you know, an enemy would attack you, and you could just basically turn the, the strike aside and stab them, instant mm-hmm. kill. I know it's not true, but it's, like, where I learned to... Uh, the parry in general, mm-hmm. like, was sort of something I honed in Assassin's the first... It's timing-based, right? It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't even timing-based before. Now it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, like, like, you could... I remember probably... You could do it in the Ezio era, but the thing, mm-hmm. the time it really hit me was Assassin's Creed 3. Mm. Like, mm. Connor could just stand yep. in the middle of the street, and, and, like, it would be a knock-on effect. Like, you'd kill someone, and it would continue bringing more people. And he could just stand there, just, like, piling bodies up. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah by yeah. counter-killing people. They brought brought in stuff like, you know, after you did the counter-kill, you could do chain-kill. So, like, you, you stab one guy, and then you immediately just wheel around and stab another guy. Mm. And uh, But this one, it brings back... So you, you parry, and uh, with weaker enemies, parry? there will be, a like, an R1 to kill <laughs> prompt hovering God over them. It. So you could just instantly... Uh, 
you can don't knock me off my my game here. Uh, you can instantly <laughs> home kill movies references them. every yeah. time. I know. <laughs> uh, Sorry, yeah. I, I I'm a sucker for a good parody. Reference. Stop finding it funny. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, but here, here's the thing about it, though, that is different than the uh, original Assassin's Creed. You can save anywhere you want, and mm-hmm. the saves are much more generous than yeah. they used to be. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's and, some key missions that locks you out, like story stuff. Yeah, but, but like in terms rare. of me wanting to fuck around and cause chaos... Fuck you around can and find out, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but still, like I haven't had many of those situations where, like, oh, I should never go back there again. It's just like... There's probably another way to handle that, but, like, it loads you up so fast, and, like, I can do things I have no business doing. I am not very powered up. You can level up your weapons, your uh, your outfits, which you mm-hmm. may as well call armor, because they are very much fucking armor with, like, buffs and, uh, yeah. and, and special abilities. Like, the basic outfit that you have, the initiative Alamut, you can level it up three times, and, like, each time you level it up, it reduces the amount of sound that your assassinations make. So, yeah, now like, now I have a hundred percent. It's hmm. my favorite thing in the world. Uh, what were we, what were we just playing, Matt? Where I was like, you got to use this thing, Black Cat. Uh, where where you get where your, your death blow remnant. leaves was you it remnant, remnant. Where you get where you get one sliver of health. Yeah, but now it, your I'm lethal blow, here. you're left with one tiny bit of health, and you can slow down time. <laughs> it's mm. just, so make a quick getaway or murder four people in front of you before they have time to pull their sword out. Mm. Mm. Big shout out, by the way, to the implementation of Eagle Vision yeah. this time around. Um, I love. It's like we should probably do a top five someday about games that I play exclusively in Batman slash Eagle Vision, <laughs> like ninety percent of the time. Like, which which makes me wonder, like, should I be playing in those high contrast modes that like Naughty Dog offers? Because that's sort of all that is doing. It just highlights the stuff well, you can interact. But, but it with. also like Eagle Vision lets you see enemies through walls. And yeah, it does. Which is I was. Nice. Just interviewed uh, the UX designer, one of the UX designers, and he was telling me like we built like multiple options for stealth in here. Like you can you can scout with the eagle and tag all your enemies and keep track of them that way. Mm-hmm. That some players he's he's seen uh, just turn on eagle vision, classic eagle vision, and just walk through the stage killing everyone that way. And you can it's it's very generous. Like as long as you're not sprinting, you can have yeah, it. So on you're only time. penalized if you run, which I'd love to do. Well, yeah. Which I love that they combined the two systems, right? Because like I kind of missed in the in the most recent AC games. Like yeah, it's neat that the eagle can tag enemies from like that eagle's eye view. But I kind of missed the whole like high contrast. Oh yeah, here's your target. Okay, here's guys to avoid. The guys in red, stay away from those guys. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and one other compliment. Um, I have to hand it to Ubisoft once again for all of their accessibility options. Like when you wow. boot this fucker up, it gives you a plethora yes. of options. And like I said on the show before, most color blind modes are garbage. They actually don't really change much, and theirs is very easy to understand what it's changing. And I immediately set because um, all it affects is the UX, you, like the the HUD. It doesn't really affect the world much. And it's like, oh well, 
I can see those red icons on the little navigation map thing, but like if I set them to yellow, I can really see them much easier, and it, it, it hmm. lets me customize. Don't like I feel like Ubisoft games are they all are just like yeah, however you want to play this fucking thing. You can just customize the shit out of it. Like the crew is the same. They're they're it's it's you can tell it's a corporate effort to do this, and well, I really appreciate it. It's funny you should say that because if you go to news.ubisoft.com, you can read really? our Assassin's Creed Mirage accessibility spotlight, which I wrote and which is what I interviewed the UX designer for. So go didn't even. Check do that, that intentionally and i just plugged the man look at that that's how yeah. good friends we are we're in tune <laughs> that way no but, but honestly kudos because like yeah i it's like well i could play it this way but it's easier if i play it this way it's just like turning on subtitles it's like i i can hear the dialogue i still like reading it because i can read it faster than they they the actors oh and actors we should we should call it the actors because mm-hmm. you, you pointed out one of them i was like who the fuck is this and you're like oh she's oh. like an academy award nominated actress yeah. shoria Dashlu is uh it, your mentor roshan in it. she the one that Who's, sounds like the shock master yeah she's she's the if you've watched uh, the expanse is probably the the uh, biggest most yeah. recent show that she has been in uh that that is her and that's yeah. why a lot of like when they announced her, it's like, oh, it's the lady from The Expanse, let's go. Very distinct voice, which, yeah, it kind of sounds like a little froggy, or, you know, yeah. it's just like I was like, oh, it's rasp. Madani's mom from The Punisher. It's like <laughs> it's, if Dr. Claw sucked reference. a bunch of helium. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that it's that high, but sure. Mm. Very distinctive voice. It's a yes, very distinct, distinct voice. voice. Yeah, yes. I'm having a, a pretty righteous time with it, like, to be honest. I mean, I have similar experiences with most Assassin's Creeds, but, like, I didn't know I was ready to feel nostalgic for it. That was pretty out of nowhere. I'm, I'm avoiding using the term a return to form, because for me, they, the games never got out of form. I, mm. I really enjoyed the RPG model, but it's mm-hmm. it's just a nice change of pace, you know? like yeah. in. It streamlines some stuff, kind of gets rid of some of... I hate to say it, but every series goes through this. Is like, yeah, as you iterate, you sometimes get some bloat attached to these games. And I think it is, it's scaling some of that back and streamlining stuff. And it's like, cool. If maybe that's all AC needs is every few cycles, just or every you know few iterations, streamline some stuff and then start again, you know? Yeah, and like I, I wrote long ago, like especially with the way Ubisoft works and they have some of these uh, studios that are doing some of the DLC that are really good. Like, uh, usually out of like the one or like the two or three DLCs, there's one that gets a little bit wild, but there's a lot of fun in there. And I, I wrote an essay a while back that was like, I like the RPG era, but like, there's also people that just want that like 20 hour, in a city parkour stealth thing, mm-hmm. and you should do that for them. Like you, you don't have to. And, and Mirage is literally that. Like, it's not a full price game. It doesn't need to be as big as the other stuff. Like people just want that. So like, give it to them every like five years or so. It was it was uh, in, in my essay. Like uh, the Assassin's Creed games are all about diversity. So bring back the white people. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. You can't get more white people than Valhalla. <laughs> <laughs> Assassin's Creed Branson. Why hasn't this happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, who knows? Given a hundred years, I've only been playing a few hours, so I can edit this if I'm wrong. But is this also one of the first Assassin's Creeds in a long time to not start with a modern, modern times, and then it goes back into history? Like uh, I feel like the I don't think any of them. Well, there's like a very, very brief narration from modern times. Yeah, and uh, it's it's briefer than most. I think, um, like, before this, we had 
I, I think Unity was the first to not have really a playable modern day aspect. No, and, Desmond. Yeah, Syndicate just had cutscenes at the beginning and the end with Sean and Rebecca, and and this yeah. has like a voiceover from William Miles, and yeah. I think that's most of the modern day content. That's because I'll be honest, I typically don't enjoy the modern day stuff because it's like uh Nobody hey i'm just does. gonna walk around during this cutscene where they explain a bunch of shit it's like exposition with me walking around but not doing the cool assassiny things i like doing like mm. what am i e- doing Good. even though this is is very lore relevant so like the rpg era is always layla uh but if you've played through valhalla mm-hmm. all of this stuff is still relevant for that very relevant in fact. yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is this is basically like a certain character saying why they should be trusted. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. It's it, there. There is a lot of lore to discover in this. It is, I think, a really cool game. Uh, I've yeah. It, there's a there's a lot of neat stuff to discover here, especially if you're interested in learning in ninth about ninth century Baghdad, like the lengths to which they they have like a specific department with historians that researches all this stuff. They hired a specialist in ninth century the the ninth century islamic world to to lead that team and uh yeah what what they've done is very impressive i think so it there's there's a lot of cool stuff to discover is there going to be a just yeah you probably they've already announced a discovery Mm -hmm. tour for this one there is a history of baghdad feature where like you will find these little glowing points of interest and you go up and interact with them and then it will unlock an encyclopedia entry with uh photos of historical artifacts and stuff like that so i still giggle at the word baghdad Hmm. because i've researched so many cultures different versions of santa claus (laughs) baghdad (laughs) would be the worst third world version of santa claus ever (laughs) it's baghdad what did he get you stuff we needed like a new toaster (laughs) <laughs> God gave us some bags. Not and even Dad's good ones. Bags. Eagerly awaiting the series starring H. John Benjamin coming soon. <laughs> yes, there you go. Yeah, Baghdad. Uh, yeah, got a bag. Well, we should we should let Mike go. Um, yes, thank you, Mike. Mike, is there anything you'd like to plug? You can find me on. Oh God, it's X now, isn't it? Just say Twitter. Please just say Twitter. (laughs) Twitter at Automatic Zen. You can find me on the Blue Skies and the Threads. I think I'm MH Williams on the Blue Skies. I think I'm into the discourse on Threads. I don't remember. There's so many now. It's okay. There's only going to be two of these left by the end of the year anyway. Probably. Well, thank thank you you for having me here. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Heart, heart, Mike. So, a bunch of other stuff that is not Assassin's Creed Mirage came out this week. Um, <laughs> a couple, some of it uh, was on Xbox uh, Game Pass, like Lamplighters League, mm-hmm. which is sort of a stealthy 1930s kind of adventure against the supernatural, uh, Indiana Jones inspired uh, XCOM-style game. Yeah, tactical RPG. Yeah, tactical so, turn-based. Michael, Michael was in our chat, does anybody want to play this before the show? And I look at it and like... Matt, get don't make me. I'm not doing this. Like, uh, I, <laughs> well, I think the reason you call me out is it's Hairbrain Schemes, the team behind the Shadowrun Returns games. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They've been doing this formula kind of quite a bit. Uh, like, they think they had BattleTech was that two years ago. It's it's uh, Jordan Wiseman, the guy who 
he like basically created Shadowrun um, and worked it fastly. He's also responsible for Crimson Skies, a little game you may know and love. Like I, I love do. that game. Um, but yeah, they've they've kind of nailed this formula of like let's make non-traditional tactical um, RPG. Uh, what, what do you call it, Michael? Tactical. Uh, the XCOM yeah, tactical game. RPG. XCOMs. Yeah, but, tac- yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the I, I played it a bit um, first couple levels and. It reminds me a lot structurally of the first Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle in that uh, so there's there's phases of free movement. You've got your agents, you're moving them around, you can split them up. They've all got special abilities like, oh, the the sneak character can clamber up objects and open doors for the other ones. The bruiser character can um, run up to groups of guards and knock them all out at once. The saboteur character can throw electrical trap mines uh, that will uh, draw enemies to them and then explode and then can spread across water. And so there's sort of like an investigation phase where you're going through, you're looking for items, you're uh, moving freely and, and, you know, enemies are walking around with visible cones of sight. And so Mm -hmm. you have to stay out of their way. It's, it's very stealthy when you are discovered or when you attack, it will shift into a turn-based mode and you know then it's classic XCOM stuff where you're running around and trying to take cover and outflank your enemies and shoot them punch them whatever uh and yeah as as you recruit more and more unique characters it becomes more and more fun you get more options for doing stuff uh there's i was gonna ask you do do you build your party between missions like can you only take like four or five or how does that work i'm not sure i know that because i've only recruited like three people so far plus plus a pilot who said like i'm not gonna be in missions anymore i'm just gonna be in the plane fuck you i gotta go star in a game called crimson skies Mm -hmm. yeah uh it's like tailspin (laughs) it's it's sort of that (laughs) vibe actually yeah like you know, dudes in bomber jackets flying around in seaplanes. It's very yeah. much that that whole milieu. I, I love this. It's the sky captain aesthetic, mm-hmm. as I call it, referring to a movie that nobody remembers. But uh, yeah, I, I, I just I think of it as like it's like Indiana Jones, or or the Mummy. It, but it's like a more fantastical. Yeah, the Mummy is probably a good comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I've got to as far as like the first. There, there is like a headquarters on a remote island in the Mediterranean where uh, you know you lay your next plans, and I'm guessing you know yeah. you listen to dialogue, improve your agents, and then decide where to head out into the field. I'm guessing that those plans are going to blow up in your face because it's a video game. I bet they are. Uh, so yeah, this is this is fun. If you have Game Pass, it's basically free. So check it out uh also basically free is cocoon just the by the uh not not the good <laughs> not, not the, steve gutenberg the brinstar ridley whatever his name is uh <laughs> that's his real name <laughs> no wilford brimley jesus oh well, I, thought, I thought you were talking about the designer's name i'm like why is he named after a battlestar galactica character <laughs> Th- those were both metroid references uh-huh. uh so cocoon it's no it's by the the people who did um Limbo and uh, or not inside. I guess inside and Limbo. Same, yeah, yeah same, same designer. I don't think it's the same studio. Uh, yeah, okay. But well, yeah, this is the game that's like uh, layers upon layers of reality, yes. right? Yeah. So you you start out hatching from a cocoon, and then you run around uh, exploring this this little three D top down world, figuring out puzzles. You find uh, you eventually hop out of your world. And your world is, becomes a little orb that you can then pick up and carry around. 
and then you will find other orbs. You can use your orb to solve puzzles. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's nested realities basically that you will hop in and out of and, uh, find new challenges and puzzles in each one. And it seems really cool so far. So eventually it's just aliens playing marbles with our galaxy. Basically. Yeah. That's 100% what it is. We're all going to succumb to diabetes at some point. (laughs) I'm looking forward to this just because like I've, I really enjoyed limbo and inside and they're both like very one evening digestible experiences. It's like, yeah, Yeah, I'm just going to sit down and beat this thing in three to four hours and I'll be done with it. And it's, Mm -hmm. they're meant, not that they're not games, but they oh, are more like, game, but. but 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 I feel like a lot of the the I mean those other two at least they're more like experiential art. It's mm-hmm. just like yeah, I'm uh, they're they're making bold statements and I love it. I have not yet found anything that can kill me, so or that's oh. trying to kill me. Can you kill anything? Because that no. is very different from all those <laughs> games. I can only move really. Um, hmm. Yeah. So yeah, this is this looks cool and it's again Game Pass game. So mm-hmm. no. No reason not to check it out. No. Hey, it's, is it the year of pizza games? What's up with Pizza Possum? Yeah. Uh, pizza pizza Possum. Earlier. Yeah, that's starving. Yeah, pizza, pizza Possum is a lot of fun. It mm. is kind of, it's like a stealth heist game, but also sort of a chaos simulator. And that you are playing as a possum or a raccoon. And uh, it's it's like a $8 game. I think I, think I got it for 6 bucks because everything debuts on sale on Steam these days. But uh, you just run around this lovely Italian seaside town and uh, gobble up all of the pizzas and rolls and other food that uh, people just leave lying around. And there are dogs patrolling. And and when I say dogs, I mean, like, everything's an anthropomorphic animal. Like, your possum is a little thief with, like, a flat cap. And uh, you're just, yeah, you're basically hoovering up all the snacks if you hoover up too many, you become temporarily fat and slow. But the idea is that you are eating enough that you will eventually earn enough points to earn a key. And if you earn a key, then you can unlock one of several gates that opens up another part of the town. And the town is just basically one big area, like a huge map, uh, that's it's sort of tiered. And at the top of it is a King Pomeranian with his giant pizza that he is only sharing with other dogs. So it's your job to steal the pizza, obviously. Um, and it's it's fun. It's a very quick, easy-to-play game. Uh, you, you don't really have any inputs until you start to get un- unlock items. Like, you know, here's an energy drink that'll let you run faster and outrun the dogs that are after you. You can hide in bushes once you break line of sight, as long as the dogs don't know where you are. Um, just very simple, straightforward stealth chaos game. It's fun. Nice. I did not play Disgaea 7, but I'm sort of shocked that that series is already up to seven entries. It's You sort of don't have to, because, like, does this play like Disgaea? Yes? Yeah. Branching. Speaking it's of a Disgaea tactics. game. Yeah. Does this play like Disgaea? No? Well, then this isn't worth talking about. <laughs> like, Disgaea. Disgaea. Disgaea over here <laughs> with these big fucking guillons. He's fucking breaking my balls, trying to level up his weapons in in my fucking face. Of Speaking of. Disgaea. Oh, yeah. And, and the thing actually you reminded me of that I forgot to mention on last week's show, Michael. So Sonic Frontiers got its final free update the big one final Mm. horizon update is out it's free if you own sonic frontiers go grab it this is the big one that has additional story and lets you play 
as Tails, Knuckles, and Amy. Ah. Oh, I love Tails. Excellent. Yeah. My, my current watch band, Tails, because it's Halloween colors. Nice. It's pretty awesome how you can play as him, too. That's all I'll say. Check out some trailers. You might see some cool, unique abilities and powers that you uh, you go, hey, I want to play that. And I can it's tell right. you, go do it, because it's free if you own Frontiers. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, that's cool. But uh, let's move along to... Gigantic is a game that seemingly we thought was going to be gigantic uh, a few years ago, but then launched and didn't have that many players. Um, It's actually... I I worked on this game for like a cup of coffee. I literally started a perfect world, and they decided to shut the game down shortly thereafter. But it's coming back, Um, and I can't explain this. I haven't talked to any of... Now they're they're called Gearbox Publishing, but I haven't talked to any of the folks there about why. But they're bringing Gigantic back from the dead for like a special event that's an invite only. Play the game for three days. It's like on the five year anniversary of the game shutting down. I have no idea why they're doing this. I've never heard of a dead game doing this before. I think this is the McRib of video games, folks, and I kind of wish more defunct games would do this every once in a while. You know? I don't remember Gigantic at all, so when you when you say Gearbox Hero Shooter, I kind of might gravitate toward um, Battleborn. Battleborn. Well, it wasn't Gearbox at the time. It was it was um, uh, it was World. Perfect World oh, okay. before, before. Yeah, even, even so, so, like I. My, my only frame of reference is that you say Gigantic, and I now have the Pixies song echoing in my head. This Gigantic. was the game that originally, I think, Microsoft was attached to it. Motiga huh. was the name of the developer that, that uh, was creating it. It got a lot of buzz. It was like at PAXs and stuff like that. And then, um, yeah, the game just... it was It's one of those hero shooters, but uh, yeah, it just... If you saw trailers, you'd probably go, oh, that game. It's, it's one of those games that wasn't Overwatch. There. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Everything that wasn't Overwatch doesn't exist. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, for me, it's it's really just kind of like, uh, wow, haven't heard of a game doing this. Maybe it's a Halloween zombie thing. Who knows? But it's it's like, yeah, we're just going to bring it back for a few days, invite only. You can bet they're probably gauging interest in, like, would people want to play a game like I don't this know. again? It's, 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 do you, did you see how the news broke? No. Like, they just... They didn't make a press release. They just uh, sent people. sent emails to people who played, and they had to break the news. And even for just saying as a marketing tool, even I was like, "Wait, what? What is this? How do we know this is happening?" Oh, because they only emailed and put on Reddit to the biggest fans who still give a shit. Mm-hmm. You're going to be able to play this again this weekend for the first time in three, five years. Like uh, five, five years. Yeah, you're going to play it for three days. That game still has a subreddit after five hmm. years. Wow. Yep. Tell you. It's it's a bit like probably like you guys remember that game Paragon that Epic was working on before they weren't. No. Okay. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Yeah. So it's no, it's like, but uh, but a ton of these fell by the wayside. So like yep. I think in I think just in terms of game preservation, it was just like. You can just flip a switch and turn this back on. Yeah. Neat. Yeah, I mean, Neat. It, it costs money to do I'm sure that, it costs. which is why they don't leave those it's, games running. It's but. not free, but, like, um, what if there was a gate? Like, you want to play this game from 10 years ago again like it was 10 years ago? 
okay. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, everybody give us 15 bucks and we'll turn it on for a month. I mean, I would do that. I would totally do that for a game I sunk legitimate time Why can't I do it old school and just host my own server? Because, (laughs) Michael, your Toontown game was not moderated. Mm. Uh, There was a lot of nudity. That's true. Uh, Toontown online. (laughs) Mostly Michael. Very very naked Roger Rabbit. Yes. Uh Uh Uh-huh. Very... (laughs) <laughs> that is Gary Wolf's next book. Very <laughs> naked Roger Rabbit. Um, Look, if you're not into playing an online multiplayer game, we got you covered, folks, because you can play an online single-player game. Um, apparently now you can get through all the story content in Final Fantasy XIV alone. That's Huzzah! awesome. Huh. I all hate the other more people. Re- all the more reason for us to play this game finally is like, yeah, if I can see all that story crap without having to wait to fucking... Pub, what is it? Pickup group? A yeah, pub? Look, looking for group. I don't. Yeah, I don't need to pug uh, mm-hmm. to experience dungeons and stuff. I can do it all single player. Uh, then yeah, maybe maybe I will play this giant hundred plus hour Final Fantasy game that's been out for several years. Except you won't because show. it's a struggle just to play a fifteen to twenty hour game at that's our age. Tr- yes, that's yeah. true. That's true. We well, are made of free time. If you don't have time to play fifteen to twenty hour games, maybe you can be like. Look, we all know Randy Orton is a filthy fucking cheater. But That's... I had no clue the depths of his depravity. He <laughs> he revealed that he paid a dude $1,000 to level up his Elden Ring character. Why would you admit that? Why would you do that? Like, Be- Because you're so used to pay-to-win free, free-to-play games. Because like... he's a heel. You can't... <laughs> You can't stop the Viper. It's it is it is the most Randy Orton thing to do. It is it's the heelest thing ever because like I remember there was a fucking weekend where I'm uh, playing. What's her name? I always pronounce it wrong. Melania Trump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the yeah, one. that's the character. Yeah, that one I was and and like this is really hard. And like if I keep leveling up, I don't have to go back to real life. You can bring force. I, I spent it, like sure. like a weekend just. Fuck! It was. It, I wouldn't have. I, I wouldn't have taken money to not do that. However, if I if I had no free time and was traveling like Randy Orton, yeah, I can see like a, a grand is a it's a little crazy. Mm-hmm. But uh, level up how much? Like what the fuck? Yeah. And well, I guess the way he did it is is I forget they're not called souls in Elden Ring. What are they, what are they that the currency the that you love? Runes, with? I think. Yeah, runes. So he just paid a dude to give him a shit ton of runes to get him up to level one hundred. Okay. Which is like okay, yeah, you now you can beat up I guess lower level character. I mean, I don't know. Like if you the thing with Elden Ring and the thing with all Souls games is like if you haven't been playing those. Your skill can't keep up with the game, yeah. almost regardless of what your character level is. It's like, yeah, well, sure, you can get in those high-level dungeons, but you're going to get your ass handed to you. Yeah. I mean, I was a guy, remember, you were mad at me because I, I wasn't using any of my skills, like 100 hours, like 50 hours into the game. <laughs> like, I, I'm just I'm just trying to get better um, and, and fortify myself. Uh, but I, w- w- the only real anger I have here... Yeah. Outside of the rich nature of uh, Randy Orton, who, yeah. like, if you've ever seen his house, like, this is what it looks like to lose in WWE for 20 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Multi-millionaire. <laughs> yeah. He's the um, guy... He's- He's doing um, moves on his kids into the pool. That's where I always see him online. Yeah, his yeah. massive pool, but like, I've just his house is amazing. Like, he has a, an amazing house. Uh, it's uh, 
This could be something they would eventually charge for. If Randy Orton is willing to spend $1,000, and does he know a guy, or is there some rich guy service that Hmm. facilitates these transactions? It's one of those things like, you know, okay, if you want to go to a fancy restaurant and pay a bunch of money for, uh, you know, filet mignon that's been burnt to a crisp, wrapped in gold foil and doused in ketchup, like, that's your prerogative, but you're kind of missing out on a lot of possibilities, and that's that's sort of how I feel about this. It's like you're, like I know but there's there's something I, I about can't me, be that, mad. Like you're cheating yourself out of the experience. There's something about me that loves this because like he has to like this game. Mm. <laughs> he has to like it. Yeah, but he, otherwise, he, why he likes the idea of just storming through and one shotting everything? And he says he did. He says he says I love this game, but I just didn't have time to deal with all that bullshit. Um. But, like, honestly, can you call yourself the legend killer or the apex predator <laughs> if you're not the ones killing those bosses and leveling up your own character? It's yeah. just like, you're the rent-a-killer at that point, mm-hmm. dude. But, I, uh, but I, I, I still think that's... If there are enough people playing it like this, which I, I, I'm with you guys, I don't think this is the way to play the game. You will, you will perform poorly mm-hmm. even after paying for this kind of shit. But it does make me wonder, if enough people are doing it, why wouldn't they add the option in like would you like to skip 10 levels 100 levels mm. just pay I don't us know instead that, i don't know that from software would ever do that but i, I mm. think for me it really just kind of it reminds you that like when you talk about pay to win like yeah those people are paying yep. not to play the game yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and like the the fun of a game like this is in getting good at it and learning that skill and like learning to look for the enemy tells and being able to survive these things on your own. The gameplay I want to see is let me solo her, not mm-hmm. a doddering millionaire. Yeah, uh, not let me one shot her with my yeah. fancy ass weapon. <laughs> yes, watch me take nine thousand sli- slices of this sword uh-huh. with no damage. I'll never die. Uh, yeah, it seems antithetical to the point, but, mm-hmm. you know, Randy Orton is older than me, an adult, very busy. Anyway. Fine. Let me RKO her. Yeah. Let me RKO her. God, that is kind of... I made the joke in front of the girl I was dating, like, I could just RKO you. I'm like, what's that? And like, why don't I just not talk anymore? Yeah, like, uh, like, like, I'm, I'm so glad you didn't say, why don't I just show you? I'm like, no, no that's how you get an assault rap, brother. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> because like, yeah, one, just... it's a wrestling move. So if I don't know how to do it, it's going to hurt me way more than it hurts her. <laughs> Ow, my chin hit your shoulder. Yeah, well, my spine is now in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was hilarious. I'm like, yeah, what a Randy Orton move. Like, I'll give you $1,000 to level up my character. Like, you dirtbag. I love him, though. He's a lovable dirtbag at this point. I, he's, he's come full the, circle with me. He's, he's one of the, He really might be one of the best wrestlers when the dust settles. Randy Orton rules. Oh, I mean, he, yeah. But he's also very easy to hate because he like, comes he's not from one a of wrestling my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, last story here. I was right, guys. I was right for the past, this is going to depress you, quarter century. Mm-hmm. I've been right. About? Square Enix clarifies it is pronounced Kate Sith. 
baby. Uh, it's no cat she or whatever the, the fuck the Gaelic is. Gaelic Twitter know. is so fucking pissed about this. <laughs> <laughs> and people getting pissed off on behalf of Scots and well, Irish people. Why don't they spend more time screaming into the shepherd's pie vase void of whatever they're doing? <laughs> the, the, yeah. best, the best response that I've seen to this is, uh, it was retweeted by Mike Williams earlier, saying like, the, the Masamune sword is pronounced Masamune. Yeah. It's, it's because people are saying like, oh, all the stuff. Yeah. The, the, the way that I pronounce it when I was 13 is, is the official way. Okay. Good to know. I mean, that's the thing is it's not the first time a Final Fantasy game. Like it left people kind of guessing for years and years. And then when, when Square finally takes a stand, uh, Titus or Titus, anyone, um, mm-hmm. it upsets people. Because, you know, for decades you yeah. might have been pronouncing it a certain way. And then to find out you were in the wrong, it's like, well, wait, no. I, I mean, I'm just still going to call it that. I just, it doesn't matter if it's Kate Sith, it's Kate well, people me, people or... tend to stick with whatever the first thing they hear is, and you know, kickle cubicle. That's why, you, like, I, one of the first responses I saw to that tweet about Kate Sith was somebody saying, "Like, cool, are you going to start spelling Eris right?" There you go. And I was like, that's, no, yes. you you think that's right because that was your first exposure. But my first exposure was to the Japanese version, so that one's right. Was it really? It was Aerith in, in the Japanese version, yeah. But, I mean, but did you import the Japanese version? I had seven? friends who did. So that's that's how I was exposed to it. And then I would, like when I found out, like, it's Aerith? What is this dumbing down of an entertainment product? You know how I know you're lying? None of those people have friends <laughs> who imported Final Fantasy VII. That's not true. In college. She had friends. <laughs> no, but um, but yeah, this is the first time. Despite this was is a unique case because like there have been uh, that character has appeared in several games with voiceover, but like mm-hmm. really no one like Square would always dance around it and never have anyone directly address the character. Like one time, I guess Sid called her Kate, but that was in fucking Dirge of Cerberus. So he mm-hmm. who even remembers that or played that game to remember that? So like. It, it's uh, yeah, it's been one of those things where we should say this is, they were playing coy. You know, this is the most important Final Fantasy character. Yeah, what they what they <laughs> should have said was it's pronounced Reeve because that's the person <laughs> controlling Kate Sith. Right. Mm. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it is an important Final Fantasy VII character. He's he's an inside. He's basically a spy. Right? Mm-hmm. A, yeah, who adventures with you through a remote controlled robot puppet. Adventure. It's a bit like in 16 where uh, Clive started pronouncing like all of the summons names and I'm mm. like it's Ifrit it's not Ifrit it's Ifrit at least it was to me uh, Yeah I I think it might be correctly Ifrit Oh, I, I, I don't doubt it. But I, I think mean, it I've comes from Arabic that except for him. Mm. Mm. But anyway, um all this is to say Cat Sith will be a playable character in yep. in Final Fantasy It's VII actually Rebirth. pronounced Cat Shit. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> or it's maybe cat-turn. people at it's different times and locations gross, Twitter, you know? pronounce yeah. things differently. I, I was uh, in awe playing Masa- Assassin's Creed Mirage. Like, how do you pronounce Caliphate? Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. As most most people say it, Khalifa in that. Uh, it's, yeah. it's it's another reason to turn on the subtitles because yes. you will learn that you've been mispronouncing those words every time you mm-hmm. read a newspaper. And you've been like, oh, I was mispronouncing that in my head. Um, and by the way, uh, on this story, though, like I guess in the Japanese pronunciation, it is much closer to the Gaelic of Ketchi. Like it's hmm. uh, so, interesting. I wonder yeah, why. It's just, you know. They just thought, like, well, this is how most fans pronounce it, so let's stick with that. Oh, by the, by the way, on the topic of Assassin's Creed and subtitles, this is the first time 
And Mirage is the first time an Assassin's Creed game has been fully localized in Arabic, right right from the get-go. Oh, cool. So full Arabic voice track, full Arabic subtitles, if that's... If you Congrats like that. to our Moroccan listeners. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or Saudi Arabian. If you if you like that extra layer of authenticity. Saudi Arabia just, just opened up movies. Mm. Can they play this in Saudi Arabia? Probably. I don't think so. <laughs> Can't imagine. Anyway. Yeah. That is all the news that is fit to play in Saudi Arabia or elsewhere. Well, that brings us to our community segment, which, as always, is segmenting our community. Last week's question yeah. of the week was, how many times have you switched allegiances and changed your primary gaming platform? Uh, first to answer on the official Laser Time community on Facebook was Patrick McLafferty, who says, Though with later console gens, it's a bit more fluid, as Switch became the handheld equivalent, and I did it equally with another console. I'd say four times. PS1 replaced my N64 midway through that gen. Mm-hmm. PS2 had that DVD player, so I used I used it. Uh, usurped the GameCube. PS3 took over when 360 got less exclusives that I enjoyed, and Xbox One had Game Pass, and my PS4 was sounding too much like a jet <laughs> engine. That's true. Just launch PS4s. Oh Holy my god! Shit. Even a PS4 kind of Pro playing playing Ghost of Tsushima is uh, just yeah. deafening. That's why I can't even imagine if you have a PS4 vanilla. Mm. What could it sound like now? It was it was so it ran so hot. Yep, that's what I had. I had until until I got my PS5, and I I just must have taken care of it and dusted it because dusted it, never, it. I guess it never got that loud. It was so loud. He left one out though. By the way, do you notice he jumped from PS1 or from N64 to PS1, and then it was like, oh, then I jumped to PS2 after my GameCube. So it was like, oh, so you jumped back to GameCube and mm. then went to your PS2 there. I see how it is. You're just a filthy cheater, Patrick McClaffin. <laughs> and, and I almost, like, I can't believe I didn't notice this. Like, when Michael was talking about uh, Harmony of Despair, I got it on 360, and I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to load up the Xbox app, which I don't load up very often. Uh, let me see how much this is and if I can get it. And it's just like Assassin's Creed Mirage. Do you want to load it up right now? <laughs> the idea that I could play it on my phone <laughs> over fiber <laughs> while we record. Jesus, that would be... I can't imagine I would play the game like that. But like majority of the game like that with touch controls. But like that is an option now. And I, I heard some people doing that with a game like Starfield, which outside of some combative environments, you could play for hours with no discernible lag. You could. Or you could play Cyberpunk. That's true. The better one of those. David Capper says, Back in the day, I traded in an original Xbox for a slim PS2 to play God of War, a 3DS for Vita, a 360 for a PS3 Slim, a PS4 for an Xbox One. Uh, and then I sold the Xbox One and went back to the PS4 once my wife wanted to play Skyrim and God of War. She also hates the Xbox One controller. What? Ooh, she's not the one, Dave. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think I ever bought a Sony product uh, directly, but ended up owning them all. Hmm. Doubt we'll get a PS5 in the future uh, since we have two kids and two cats now. Cat litter is expensive these days, and if I have not lamented that... In Joe Biden's America, <laughs> the one thing that has tripled in price for me in the last three years is cat litter. Really? Tripled. It like, And I was using the fancy, I have a fancier version, 
but it went from being $15 to 60 Holy what? shit. Yeah, it costs my cat more to take a shit than me. Uh, but, he says, I'm happy with our Switch and PS4 for now, and may switch allegiances again to Series S and Game Pass once Elder Scrolls comes out in five plus years, especially if a good PS4S controller is available. You are so confused, David. <laughs> like yeah. You're waiting for the PS4 control. No, no. Yeah. Don't do that. Elder man. Scrolls is going to be great on PS, the PlayStation environment. <laughs> it always has been, huh? Never mm-hmm. never been any issues with an Elder Scrolls game on a PlayStation. I mean, not before they became an exclusive yeah. Microsoft company. I got where Jesus. Chris is going with that. There will never be another oh. Elder Scrolls on PlayStation. I probably. thought he was making a Skyrim PS, PS3 joke. I mean, yeah, that did have game breaking bugs. Yes. Um, yes. Let's see. From Twitter, Darth Ender X says. I was a Nintendo kid from NES to GameCube, cared nothing for motion control, so I got the Xbox 360 during the Wii slash Wii U. Funny that you combine those two. Mm. Then went back to mm-hmm. Nintendo for Switch. I've always simultaneously been a PC That's person. probably uh, the way to do it. He's got like, a yeah. PC gomad, if you will. You know a what PC I mean? gomad. Uh, yeah, PC. It, like If you are a PC player with who still buys Nintendo systems... You are missing out on like 1.5 games a year. <laughs> like, yeah, there's some good PlayStation exclusives you're you're missing, but uh, eh. but it's not, not really because they bring them bucks. to PC now. They bring them all to Steam eventually. They, yeah, they do. I had a conversation with my friend's son the other night. Like, yeah, but I, I can't wait for Spider Man. Like, do you have a PlayStation Five? And like, oh yeah, <laughs> I, I I just played this on PC and like it'll come to PC. In a, and I felt I, I did my best Orson Welles in about 60 years. <laughs> and, and, yeah, it'll be a while. You're going to be waiting for a long time. Didn't they just get Miles Morales not too long ago on PC, honestly? Yeah. Hawkhaven1976 says, Oh, lots, but I'll tell you, old age made me finally settle on PC. Being able to sit close to a monitor and wear headphones sealed the deal. After buying my daughter a gaming PC, I got hooked too. It's now my final phase as a gamer. Did you see what? What was that congressional hearing where someone like whipped out a gaming laptop and? Like, no, that was at Trump's uh, trial. Trump's one trial of his lawyers and, and had like, a gaming laptop with RGB was like, keys. Apparently. I saw the headline like, "Who cares?" and like. It was glowing RGB colors all through <laughs> the keyboard it's, all it, through the year. I, I saw the logo on the back of it. It's like, oh, shit, that is not just a gaming computer. That is an Asus Republic of Gamers computer. <laughs> I recognize that logo. How much you want to bet he got it he, because it said Republican on it? Like He probably uh, thought it was some political yeah. statement. Mm-hmm. Oh God! It, it became so much funnier than the initial headline. Well, it's it's a it's one one of the the women on the legal team. So like that's also kind of cool. But that makes me wonder, like, why why would you bring that to court? Anyway, I'm flashy. Metalhead eight seventy one says like three times. Super Nintendo to PS one, mm-hmm. stayed on PS two, then moved to the original Xbox. Well, in uh, two thousand five, I needed beer money for Ozfest. You're not a real person. Oh, it is Metalhead eight seventy one. Um, decided I would sell my Xbox and games to fund. My friend was borrowing it, so I got back uh, from him and I took it straight to GameStop. Which is what? Would you get like four seventy five for all that? Yeah, together? really. Like mm-hmm. Crimson Skies, even ten years ago, wouldn't get you one beer at Ozfest. Mm-hmm. 
Let's see. Raccoon Hale says, Twice I was an Apple and Nintendo kid. Once in college, though, the great Halo 2 Online multiplayer surge, you make it sound like a pandemic, and I switched (laughs) to 360 and played that mostly the entire lifespan. I have since returned to my origins of PC slash Apple and Nintendo with the Switch. Mm. Again, probably the way to do it. Let's talk about you being an Apple gamer for a second there, Raccoon (laughs) Hale. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little bit laggy behind, but uh, on Blue Sky... John Barry says, growing up, our family's smaller budget meant that if we wanted to upgrade our consoles, we had to sell off the previous ones. Starting from a meager hand-me-down Atari VCS, we upgraded to NES, then Genesis, then PlayStation. The year was 2020. Um, I'm kidding. (laughs) Absolutely no brand allegiance until adulthood, where I could finally make the decision to pay for more than one system. I've since stuck with Nintendo and PlayStation. It does remind me, I was uh, in St. Petersburg over the weekend, and they had a mural that was uh, in this grilled cheese, this fancy grilled cheese restaurant that was all the mini consoles, and they were all spray-painted gold in order, in uh, order of their release. And I just turned to the girl I was with, and I'm like, that's the most expensive piece here. That's an NES classic spray-painted gold. Uh, that goes for like $200. That's a Super Nintendo. Uh, mini classic that goes for about two hundred dollars too. That is the most expensive art piece in this room. No matter how much original art anyone has drawn, it went through PlayStation <laughs> and it's a uh, original controller. Expensive, expensive. I do yeah. want to make John Barry feel a little better, dude. That wasn't just because of your family's budget. Like I kind of feel like most of my friends growing up, like our parents would not let us own multiple yeah. platforms of the same gen. It was like, oh, you want that one? Get rid of your other one. Like for mm-hmm. some reason, to them it right. was like a, yeah. just a thing. Like yeah, you couldn't. Like the only kids who owned multiple consoles were the rich kids who we all used by going to their house to play on their multiple consoles. It's, it's true, and my my father couldn't understand it because like it plays stuff. We have one VCR. Like uh, how many of these things can we have hooked up? My father, if I've never said this. Uh, their first, the house they built in 1988 had a built-in entertainment center. He put in a cubby for a 27-inch television, as big as they'll ever get, baby. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. baby. And now he had to build an arm that sticks a fuck. He can only go 40, 40 inches. But the beauty <laughs> he, is it's he, standard def too, and yeah, so he like kicks himself every day. Like he built a bar into it, and like oh, it would man. require plumbing <laughs> to, to make this bigger for a television. There was only room for one console, so anytime there was another. That. We had like another console. You had to, we had to just ugh. take it out and like yeah. re- like totally replace it, it with another console. It is interesting because like they they looked at it like our parents' generation looked at it like an appliance or something. And I, I do remember the like, what's wrong with the one that you have now? Yeah, it's like yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. it's becoming obsolete. But like you can go back and look on YouTube at news reports from like when the Super Nintendo was coming out. And Will this that, replace your Nintendo? Yeah. yeah, there's like a mother saying like, well, I I just told him that like, you know, this is, th- that's how they get you. This is just all marketing. You don't actually you. need that. And, you know, it's just, just consumerism. And like, yeah, you don't understand what any of this is about. I'm Meanwhile, sorry. she's on her 15th next door account after mm-hmm. being banned over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love next door. <laughs> insane. I'm uh, glad I don't live on 6th Street in San Francisco anymore. I have never seen a man ride that much dick. 
<laughs> on until <laughs> next Jesus. next door. Uh, uh, you old so and so on Blue Ski says, uh, if I tally it right, I've switched. I've effectively switched primary platforms twice, as I was primarily Nintendo all the way until the Wii U, hmm. which I skipped out on uh, when it was new, which gave the PS the PS3 I had uh, for a few years some time in the limelight as the original Wii faded in relevance. Then I was on board with the Switch from launch. Recently, I've kind of switched uh, a third oh. time since my left Joy-Con succumbed to the drift. Uh, so I so when I do play new multi-platform games, I, it tends to be on PC or PS4 as my Switch has lost the edge of portability uh, for the most part. In conclusion, I am boring. <laughs> if my parents... <laughs> If my parents' Atari 2600 uh, to NES counts as transition, that makes it four times. That does not count because that was your parents' Atari 2600, mm-hmm. not yours. He might have weighed in. It, and yeah. it's not like, like, well, I was going to buy the Atari 7800, but then, you know, oh, Nintendo just lured me away. Um, it's true. It's true. Despite yeah. what historians would have you believe, the 7800 was not competing with the NES. No, good luck even NES. finding it in fucking stores. My God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Flipside says, I was Nintendo all the way until I <laughs> until I got the N64. <laughs> That's when I jumped. Did the N64 that bad, huh? That's when I jumped the PlayStation and PS2. Then it was Xbox 360 and Wii. Picked up a GameCube, Wii U, and PS3 long after they were new. Now it's Steam and Switch, though I may pick up an Xbox One X one of these days. Why would you do that, man? How Just would get you a do Series that? S. Yeah, maybe he means Series X. Uh, I hope. Yeah. I hope. You might have been the one that asked me if it was worth getting an Xbox One X like a few years ago. <laughs> but maybe it's just my my trajectory. But like that that generation, he he starts from. Mm-hmm. I wanted the N64 first, ended up with a Saturn, then an N64, then a PlayStation, and became mostly a PlayStation gamer when I was able to mod the console hmm. and steal everything. Right, yes. And, and, Same. and, it, but like, w- the second I made the decision to get a Saturn and then a Nintendo 64, it's like, I'm going to need all of these. I can no longer be a one console household, which I was one at a time. I would sell my Genesis to get a Super Nintendo. That was the generation where like, I need all of them. Sorry, there's no way around it. Hmm. Fair enough. Um finally, uh well not finally, but a man riding a woman riding a motorbike says, for me, platform choice has been about balancing exclusives, novelty, and multiplayer. Yeah. The first console I was able to buy for myself was the Wii which went about half and half with the 360. After that, Wii U to PS5, although I do almost all my multiplayer on PC now. Rock and stone for life. Man, can you imagine not seeing any games from the <laughs> the Wii U to PS5? No. <laughs> it's yeah, like three generational a, jumps. Eight, eight years. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We, fi- we also have a video answer from Jeff Wildman, who says, My allegiance is to Sony and PlayStation and Microsoft. And I was a Nintendo kid from the NES, and I got my Super Nintendo, and I loved it. Everything was great. And then one day, my brother took me with him to his girlfriend's house. I don't know why, but uh, obviously they needed something to keep the little brother occupied while they went into another room and probably fucked. 
So she set up her brother's PlayStation with a little game called Twisted Metal. And I played that, and that was it. From that point on, I needed a PlayStation. I had to have a PlayStation. My mother agreed that if I brought all my Super Nintendo stuff to a place called Microplay, traded it all in, that she'd pay the difference, that would be my Christmas present. I was all for it, and that was it. Uh, I was a PlayStation fanboy from that point on. The worst possible kind of PlayStation fanboy. The worst possible kind of fanboy. It was, and I started a tripod website devoted to why PlayStation was the best, Nintendo 64 was the worst, Resident Evil, and Cameron Diaz picks. As I got older, I was playing Rainbow Six Free Online, and a friend of mine I was playing with suggested I should try Rainbow Six on the Xbox. And uh, one day I went over to a co-worker's house who was having a Halo land party. And between Rainbow Six and Halo, that was it. 360 came a little while later, and I always kind of leaned toward the Xbox, and it's kind of been that way ever since. I, I just kind of at the point where I just like old video games, but the Xbox has been my console of choice. And now, you know, I'm 40, I work long hours, I have two young kids, and honestly, just being able to play a video game is a blessing, so I don't really care what platform it's on. We just had a bit of a VGA Cat Sith moment. Is it Wildman or Wildman? I'm going to say Wildman until you fucking say your name in the video post, Jeff. So, thanks, Wildman. All right. Okay, new question of the week. Uh, have you ever haunted, in quotes, an old game server well past its prime? Tell us why and what it's like. Um... Yeah, I'm not really much of an online gamer, so I'm I'm having trouble thinking of anything. But I'm sure you guys uh, well, have great answers. Uh, n- not great, but like um, I think I told that story because uh, Steam just celebrated its 20th anniversary, mm-hmm. and Steam started before you could buy Half Life Two on it. It was just like Steam came out, and it's like this is how you play Counter Strike. You cannot play Counter Strike through anything else. And I remember, like, my friends were like, well, fuck this. Like, I want to play Train. I want to play, I want to play the old beta, like, the, the, the 0.6 version. And we had to download all, I downloaded Steam. So I'm, to this day, I'm a day one Steam downloader. They remind me of that every time I log in, which I haven't in years. Um, but yeah, we were all upset. This sucks. And it didn't work. So we had to download a bypass program, basically pirating Counter-Strike uh, so we could play the versions that we liked. And then I think uh, the one Matt was heading towards was that it, I think it was helping Tyler out with a feature on the Xbox 360 area to let you know we may have been a little too negative to, towards multiplayer, but there was a lot of shitty approaches to multiplayer. Shadowrun wasn't one of them. And the people who played Shadowrun, we, we remember we loaded it up and like I, I spawn into the world and everyone, there are human voices who basically look at me like, who's that guy? 
what's he doing here? Like, he was quick matched here. And uh, I start shooting someone like, that's not what we do here! <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is where that. we set up meth deals and plan terrorist attacks. Did it anyone was, call you Chummer or Choom or any other it was, cyberpunk it, like, expression? But it was, like, it was like invading someone's Discord server. Like, they really attacked me and bounced me uh, immediately. They weren't playing. They weren't playing at all. They were using it as a, a, a social media hangout spot, Weird. and I invaded their space. Well, uh, you set up a private fucking match to do that. That's what people do in Fortnite, dude. <laughs> they just yeah. go and sit and hang out in lobbies and talk. So it, it might be more secure than most <laughs> most Zooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. At least they're not recording everything you say. I so I've never gone on a haunted server. I've never haunted a ser- the closest I can say I've done to this is like. So similar to that story earlier, how it's like, oh, hey, I want to experience all the single-player content in Final Fantasy XIV now. Back in the day when I played World of Warcraft regularly, I got to the level where I could get through the early-game dungeons and, and almost the raids by myself. And so, like, I would just run through those things, like... Just me, just so I could see that content. Because it's like a good half the game that I was missing because I wasn't doing that shit like every 10 levels or whatever you were supposed to at the time. But I remember there were some people who were so thankful. They were like newer players or maybe they were just leveling their alts or something. They're like, oh my god, can you help me get through this dungeon? I'm like, yeah, sure. Because I was like, you know, 40 levels above the dungeon requirement or whatever. So everything was, I was one-shotting everything. And it was neat. It was just like, cool, yeah, I I can help you through this. And it's like... I got to do a little tourism of this parts of World of Warcraft I'd never seen, like a game I'd put thousands of hours into. They got to level their characters and beat the content they'd been trying, you know, smashing their head against the wall for for hours because they couldn't find anyone to pick up group with. So it's like, win-win. So yeah, that's the closest I've come. I uh, I recommend it. If you're going to play these online games, you should probably see what's in them. If you're not playing it uh, in real time and with at your proper character level, go check it out. A lot, of, a lot of hard work went into creating all those things that you've been ignoring all that time. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the best thing I can recommend, you ever see that Vine Sauce video? It was pretty crazy a few years ago. He loads up a game that hasn't been played in 15 years. And uh-huh. it's very bizarre to see a bunch of old polygonal characters who haven't talked to anybody in 15 years. And he's, he's live streaming this. And then he finds one character who might be real, but is also very committed to role playing. Probably, huh. it's the scariest thing. I and it like the like reality, creepy pasta. The re, it's, it, it is a creepy pasta. The reality of it, it's probably a guy who like knew he had an account and could jump back in because like and saw him streaming it, but you couldn't. I believe the story was you couldn't create a new account. This was a dead online game. Mm. And he's haunted by one real person for hours. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. It is hilarious and creepy as shit. And the person plays the part so well. If he's fucking with them, uh, it, it has to be seen. Uh, it's one of my favorite. Fake. Gotta be fake. <laughs> well, if it's fake, I don't think Vine Sauce faked it. I think the person may have faked it. Because it is very, it's so fucking scary, and that, and that, and I only say that because like I can't. We didn't record. 
Tyler, I think, was working on the most dead servers on the Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. I believe Kanan Lynch 2 won. Oh, wow. <laughs> Kanan Lynch 2 won because every game had to have mandatory multiplayer. Right. And this mm-hmm. is like six months after it came out. There is no one. But uh, I, I do love the idea. And I'm not, not, not making fun of people because I love the idea of like people found something valid in this multiplayer, even if it's just hanging out in the server. Yeah. It's neat. I've done it, I've done it too. So that's a bit of a bummer whenever you these games get shut down is you mm-hmm. know that you are breaking up some friendships at least temporarily. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I don't know. I my, all my best stories of, of being online and seeing weird shit are with games that were active at the time like trying to play the original Socom and getting into a lobby where people were just doing weird shit like hey, let's let's all get prone and then do a race around the entire map. Uh, and, and then, you know, people would come in and be like trying to shoot and like, no, get him out of here. Get that fuck right. out. Of- We're having a race. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. Get out of here. This is how we play tag in this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Who is this new kid that's ruining mm-hmm. it for us? It's, it's not unlike how a PUBG or Fortnite level loads. You get thrown in that one zone and everybody misbehaves for like 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm always one of those. who's just like, when I see people just like not playing by the rules, I'm inclined to join with them because like, this is fun and funny. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not that invested in running around shooting people. Being if you're not going to shoot at me, yeah, who cares? Yeah. Who gives you a gotta shit? gotta get my rank up. Come on. <laughs> Come on, bro. Do you even lift? Um, so what? I do lift, if, yeah. in case listeners were wondering. I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever haunted an old game server well past his prime? Let us know. Go to the official Laser Time community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there you can answer. Or. Ping us on Twitter or Blueski at VG Apocalypse, and we will Blueski. read the answers on next week's show. Uh, we welcome video answers, but uh, please keep them to around two minutes just for uh, everyone's time. Um, that has been our show. Let's go out with some plugs. Uh, we got anything cooking, guys? I just want to say we are a show that prioritizes timing. I say <laughs> at the three and a half hour mark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is no, this yeah, is like but, two and a half hour, but still. I know we're squeezing in a ton of shit. There's mm-hmm. there's there's barely any fifth. A new game is if it's talked about for more than five minutes is insane. Yeah. So yes, your response keep it light. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Patreon.com slash Laser Time. New season of Elm Street Nightmare, Evil Dead, whole series with Steve Guntley and Jared uh, Hornbeck from um, uh, Puppet Masters Castle Freaks. A great Halloween show to listen to. If you like that wonderful VHS era of uh, Charles Band uh, horror movies, so good. Um, and then J.R. Rawls of 302010. 302010 this week, I am not kidding. And I can't explain to you why. I think it's the most interesting week to be alive in history. <laughs> really? <laughs> Just like. Uh, one week, Mister Nanny and, and and Gettysburg comes out, and then like the next week, Napster relaunches as a paid service. Oh God, like, I not expecting about you to that. start with Mister Nanny when yeah. you're talking about the most interesting week. To be no, but it's 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 all it's all over the place. It really is. It, it, it's yeah. it's and Arnold Schwarzenegger becomes the governor. Like mm-hmm. that oh, kind yeah, of shit. Sure. It's like uh, if you were like me, I-, I wasn't really tied into the serious news, but like the world changing drastically in all three segments. It 
even if you don't f- like uh, find a classic in there, and you should because oh, I'm sh- Demolition Man. Uh, oh, hello. Fucking wonderful. We watch that on our big screen. It's fantastic. One of the best, stupidest movies in the world. Mm. It's so good. I didn't realize the explanation of the three shells as like use chopsticks to pull it out gently, then scrape off the rest with the third shell. That came from an interview with Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, nobody. (laughs) It's not real. uh, Yeah, there is no real explanation. I will tell you what the real origin of that is, and it will be disappointing compared to that. That is the fifth explanation I've heard today about three seashells, and they're all wrong. Mm -hmm. It's not supposed to have an explanation. It's supposed to be mysterious. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Yes, mysterious. If anything, it'd be a mollusk or an Mm -hmm. octopus that would suck the shit out of your colon Mm -hmm. and clean up the sides. (laughs) What? We wouldn't all beg for that. Probably Uh, just buttons on a bidet. It's a science toilet. But yeah, and uh, new, we we are talking about vacation soon on 80s in depth on patreon.com slash laser time. Please give us five bucks. Maybe we'll do another video game guidance someday. We have to all finish a game. Maybe. Maybe we'll all finish Mirage. Who knows? Maybe one of those shells is to keep the sanitary paper on there and the auto flusher from flushing it down the toilet before you can sit down. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. That not that that's related to anything we've been discussing today. Off my, it's two shells that do the work and one shell to tell on the other shells if you're liking it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling. <laughs> Tells the other shells? or Two, two of the shells go on the your shell. knees, and they weigh you down so you don't get sucked into the toilet. That's ah. where the poop makes you lighter. I see. Oh. I see. Which one of them do I charge my cell phone on when I'm doing a little shitter Twitter? Can't even do it. Can't call it that anymore. You have to call it shitter X? Or... Yeah. Of all, no. of all the things... Shitter. <laughs> shitter. Of all the things uh, Demolition Man did not predict is uh, cell phones. It did, yeah, it did not, yeah, that's true. It did not, it, it did not see that coming. It was, it was, a, it was about sixteen months out. It never saw it. It even predicted Wesley Snipes going to jail. Like, yeah, <laughs> I love Wesley Snipes. It's his best role, by the way. Yeah, well, it's like you can see, like, oh, this, shit, this is where he got the foundation in martial arts training to do Blade. Yeah, so, true. And he where he, he where he plays. That. Jack Nicholson's Joker for yeah, two basically, hours. yeah, fucking amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's also the best part of that coming to America reboot or sequel or whatever we wanted. The thing I'm trying to forget mm-hmm. that happened. Sure, I mean it was a real movie. It happened. I didn't. I didn't dream that, did I? No, the no, it was a massive marketing campaign. It's it's not traumatic. It's just like oh, eh, he was good. All the movies that came direct to streaming in 2020 between 2020 and 2022 feel like. It doesn't feel like it was a real movie. It's just like, yeah, that came to HBO or whatever. Everybody who made that movie made Dolomite Is My Name, and mm-hmm. I love that movie. Yeah, I wonder if that's an our generation thing of, like, we're conditioned to view direct-to-video movies as subpar? I guess. Not subpar, it's just that there's no mechanism to replay them against our will in our heads. If you're yeah. fucking here to stand for Cinderella 2, you need to get the fuck out right now. <laughs> I saw it called in an article, and this works for games too, the Tango and Cashification. Ooh. That's a that's a bad movie. Mm-hmm. But it's beloved because it got blasted into people's faces for 25 years. Right. It's until true. people had the option to not watch it, and they didn't. And now no one talks about it. But, like, it was a bomb, didn't do well, 
there was infinite ways to be have it forced into your eyeballs, and now that doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. No more constant rotation on HBO or whatever. Yeah, I mean, if it exists or if it's ever being broadcast, you have a thousand and one other channels to go to immediately. Right. Mm-hmm. To I called it the the, the gremlinsification of, mm. of media because gremlins was like. I saw that and like I want to watch more stuff like this all the time. And guess what? Nobody gave it to me. There was mm. nothing like that. If you hey. like something, odds are a streaming service will make something else like it. games, especially. I just had a clever realization. You know how mm. you? This is in honor of the Halloween season. You know how you always refer to the Universal Monsters as what, Chris? Oh, the original Avengers. The original yes. Avengers. There it is. Do you know what the Gremlins Gremlins franchise is? What? The original multiverse, motherfucker. Gremlins 2 is a multiverse movie. It has Hulk Hogan in there, mm, breaking the fourth true. wall. There are references to other pop culture. Leonard Moulton is eaten alive while reviewing Gremlins 1. <laughs> and, that is some fucking multiverse. Right. That's met- metaverse, multi- whatever, we, whatever we're calling it nowadays. It's uh, That's what Gremlins 2 was. So there it's you go. also the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> That's right. It is one of the me. funniest Key and Peele sketches ever made. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's, it, it, it's almost not funny because that's exactly what happened. Hmm. Right. <laughs> but I do like that, like the character. He's basically just doing Hollywood from the mannequin movie. <laughs> but he's dressed like Rick Baker, <laughs> saying really? what Rick Baker likely said. Oh man. <laughs> It's very good. Anyway, I don't have anything to plug other than, yeah, patreon.com slash laser time. I guess for those who don't know, Elm Street Nightmare is where Chris goes through movie series one movie at a time and examines each film in that franchise. So what have you done? You've done Nightmare on Elm Street, hence the name. Friday the Thirteenth, uh, Chucky. What? Or what do you think? Child's Play. I we guess, did uh, seven Chucky movies, and uh, but right up until they aired the uh, new series, and, and Evil, now Dead. Evil Dead. Now Evil, Evil Dead. Evil Dead. It's the shortest season. It's it, it, but like every one of them is immaculate. Like they're they're all great. There's not a bad Evil Dead entry. Period. The scary ones are scary. The hilarious ones are hilarious, and Ash versus Evil Dead might be the best thing you watch over the, the course of October. Mm. There you have it. Now on Hulu. All right. Well, as always, you can visit us at the official Laser Time community on Facebook. You can uh, also check us out on Twitter and Blueski at VG Apocalypse. Uh, you can follow me personally at Wikiparas. That's been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. I got the biggest laugh, laugh the entire show out of just saying Perry, which I can't not do. It's like too reflexive. You have to follow the word Perry with Perry. Yes, Perry. 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 Perry.